You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Twenty-nine other MLB clubs. Two-two pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back, gone for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. He does. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe, from spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Did you ever think that a meeting with the Seattle Mariners would mean so much still here in July? Did you ever think that? But that is a reality. As every single game, it's amazing what every single game means here with 54 games to play. Scott Miller, longtime baseball columnist, will join us at 3.15. We're going to have the David Forrest Show at 3.45. Ryan Roland-Smith, who covers the Seattle Mariners, will be here at 4 o'clock. Kendall Graveman, our old friend Kendall, he's a really good guy. I always like Kendall. He'll be here at 4.30. And the TV face of your Oakland Athletics, the great Glenn Kuyper, is going to join us at 5 o'clock. Commander, how are you? I'm doing well. It's a uh, Friday, which is odd because we haven't been on the air since what uh, Tuesday. So, a couple days off, a couple um, bad games against the Colorado Rockies, who amazingly are second in Major League Baseball in ERA. When did you ever think you'd hear yourself say that the Colorado Rockies are in second in Major League Baseball in ERA? Uh, that's incredible. Only by like a percentage point, it's like 1.83 to 1.84 behind the Indians. Crazy to think. I give the Colorado Rockies. All the respect in the world. And the reason why I say that is we're in a pandemic. They went on the road during a pandemic. They went to Texas and California. Two of the major hotspots for the pandemic in in, in the world. It's not like they went to like North Dakota, South Dakota. They went to Texas and California and they come out of it four and one. I mean, how do you not, I mean, like literally, how do you not sit back and go, I'm pretty impressed from a standpoint of what they're traveling. They're in an airplane. They're staying at hotels. They're, I mean, obviously, you know, we all have the worries. I mean, now the commissioner of baseball is coming out. Even, I mean, the re the reality is this. You had Marlins players test positive. Well, we talked about it on. Have we talked about this yet, Cody? Or was this just on uh, the uh, on A's talk? Yeah, I don't think we've really got into the Marlins situation. And, and, you know, and it's funny, an internal investigation has happened, and Scott Miller has been breaking it down. So it's great that we're going to have him in 10 minutes to get the full details of what happened with the Marlins. So it's looking like some Florida Marlins players broke protocol and went out did a little nightlife in Atlanta when they were taking on the Braves. 
Then they travel to Philadelphia and start the season. And then yesterday, there was the, oh, people have tested positive with the Phillies. Not, not a Phillies player. People who are around the Marlins tested positive, but not Phillies players. So essentially, and we'll find out from Scott coming up here, what happened? Because to me, it was like, this is a total outlier. We have 29 other teams. Now, we have had two players test positive. Which organization, Cody, today? It was the uh, Cardinals. I believe it was two pitchers, what I heard on MLB Network earlier. It was from the, I think the Athletic Report, it was two different Cardinals pitchers that have tested positive for COVID-19. So there's another organization. There's now been like six teams that have had their games affected now this weekend. Cardinals, Brewers, uh, Marlins, Phillies, Nats, Blue Jays, I want to say somewhere in there. It's not the Nats. There's another team I'm forgetting, but six teams – have had their schedule like altered or, or changed this weekend already. Yeah, but but the commissioner said this, and we had this also last time we were on. Stan Kasson, the president of the Dodgers, said this. They knew at some point some players would test positive. The Marlins thing is a whole different ball game, and we'll talk to Scott Miller about that. Like kind of an outlier. What happened? And it, it, it looks like players broke protocol and went out and they went out partying in Atlanta and caught it. Then they went to Philadelphia. So we'll talk to Scott Miller about that. But I got to tell you, for our own Oakland athletics, I'm going to give the the Rockies all the respect in the world. Like I said, they started the season on the road in a pandemic and went four and one. That's legit. I mean, if you're someone who's following the NL West, you know, look out. We already knew the Dodgers have a great team. But now all of a sudden you've got the Rockies, you've got the Padres. You know, who's going to start out fast? And how does that affect you in a 60-game season? Well, the rock pile, and when they make it to the – do you know what they call themselves when they make the postseason, Cody? Isn't it Rocktober or something like that? Rocktober, baby, and they're four and one. What are the Padres? Are they five and one? I think they're five and two because they they. I think they won three or four against the Diamondbacks, and then they won two or three against the Giants. Uh, oh, that's right. Baby Yaz walked them off. Uh, what are you talking about? He's gonna be better than his grandfather. You heard it here first. <laughs> Baby Yaz better than than grandfather. That he crushed that ball though. By the way, that ball was. Maybe Yaz can play, but the thing is, he's what? Was he like 30? He'll be 30 in like September. (laughs) Yeah, so he's not a prospect. I got to tell you, if you're a Giants fan and you're listening, I mean, we need to talk to our our guy Farhan. Like, Farhan, why is Pablo Sandoval on your team? Why am I seeing Hunter Pence? Why are you in a rebuild and your rebuild has really old guys in it? You, you, are you really trying to tell me? So I had a buddy over the other day. His family was over. And don't we've quarantined together, so don't judge. Um, I'm like looking at him as a giant fan. I'm like, you're trying to tell me you don't have like a 24, 25-year-old first baseman that you can put just to take a look at? You're going to have fat Pablo Sandoval, no offense, but he's out of shape. He is it's it's like he looks like he did when he when he was in Boston. Like, why is Pablo Sandoval playing first base for you in a time where 
it, it everything's experimental. If you're not a team who really believes that you can win it, why would you have a old guy out of shape playing for you? Does that make any? I mean, I mean, does that make any sense? Like, it literally makes no sense that he's even. Because let me tell you this: as I predicted with Jack Cust years ago, and I could predict now. If he's not on their roster, he would be on no one else's. I, Am I wrong on that? No, I agree with that. And to think about when you mentioned Yaz being 30, the two best players on their team that they're looking forward to on their current roster, not Joey Bart, who's at the alternate, the alternate site in Sacramento, which maybe we'll see him this weekend because it's been past the uh, six or seven days or six or seven How's games. How's he not playing? Are you kidding me? Service time manipulation, baby. That's what it's ultimately coming down to. Their other yeah. player they're looking forward to is Alex Dickerson. So you got Dick and Yaz, 30. I think they're both 29. So they're both going to be 30 eventually. So your two best young players are going to be going to be 30. <laughs> How old are you? 31. So that, that – yeah, I mean, Yaz is a, a really nice young player. Sonny Gray brought him up yesterday on MLB – was it MLB Tonight? He was on there with, I think – he was talking about his um, his starting against the Cubs, and he mentioned how they had this whole quarantine thing with a bunch of the Vanderbilt guys. Now, yeah, baby Yaz went to Vandy, so he knows all those guys. And he mentioned how even then Yaz was hitting bombs off Sonny. He goes, and Sonny's like, you know what? He's still hitting bombs, so he's just continuing what happened. And for him to give kudos to a guy like that is incredible, but he, your best player is 30 years old, and he's just coming to his own. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. Farhan, you're doing the, you're doing the reverse uh, – Rebuild. You're supposed to get younger, not get older. God, it, it really makes no sense. It, it makes no sense. But whatever. It's the Giants. Um, how do you think tonight plays out for the A's? Because I've already heard, you know, in, in, in my talk with Ken Korak in the postgame show, Dave Stewart on NBC Sports California, they both kind of use it's still early. I don't know. Is it still early? You have 54 games left. If you lose tonight, it's the equivalent of basically losing nine in a row. When is it cool to lose nine in a row? Especially in late July. So, I I, I guess they're right. The season just started. But as I said, Cody, for us, the difference between us and everybody else is we didn't take any time off. We didn't stop working. We did eight months of baseball with no baseball. You and I are ready to go. You and I are ready to win. So when you lose two straight games of the Colorado Rockies, I can praise them all I want. You still lost two games of the Colorado Rockies, and I don't like it. You got 54 games left. You were, to me, handed a gift. You got to play the first homestand, you didn't have to travel, the pandemic's going on, the news is scary as, you know, it's a political football these days, and everybody's using the pandemic, and you got to be at home. You got to be at home. And you went 500. Now you're going on the road, but by the way, you're coming right back home after that. You've been gifted a lot of home games right out of the gate. If you don't take advantage of it, what are we talking about? Do you know what the A's record in Seattle is since 2010? 
or just against the Mariners since 2010. They're 90 to 100 versus Seattle since 2010. I went back and did the research. In Are Seattle, in Seattle, they're 45 and 49. But since 2018, they're 19 and 19 versus the Mariners. So the two years they won 97 games, but the Mariners won 89 in 2018, and then they were rebuilding last year. 19 and 19, including their 8 and 10 in Seattle. So we got to improve those numbers. Got to go up to the great Pacific Northwest, win these games. Although the Mariners look good taking a couple games from the uh, the Angels with no Mike Trout now, him on the paternity list, and Anthony Rendon uh, struggling already. It's only been a couple games, but his batting average isn't great. And the uh, the Mariners figured out how to get David Fletcher out. So the 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 A's nemesis to start the year, the Mariners uh, neutralized him, and he wasn't be able to able to do much as the. The surprising Mariners, I can't believe I'm saying that. I mean, three they're three and what, I think three and four. They're not really surprising. They're not Detroit who's surprising. But they, they're playing better than I think everyone thought they would be seven games into the season. What 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 ended up being the um the number of games that there was a home run in their in their uh there was a home run in every single Mariner game for how many games? It was hundred and seven. 107 consecutive games. It was was insane. And they still lost 90-plus games last year. So I'll never forget, like, so, you know, in normal times, we get game notes. And the Mariners' game note, like like, the main thing in their notes was there has been a home run hit in every single game, whether it was by them or the opponent. And I remember the Mariners came to us, and it was like, this is still going on because remember we started the season in Japan with the Mariners and all of a sudden you're like, this is 90 something games. Someone's hit a home run in every single game. Well, it's a juice ball. But that was literally one of the craziest stats I've ever seen. So teams have taken advantage. New York Yankees. They're four and one. How about the Braves taking it to the Rays and the Rays come back to four and three? Now, I know, Cody, you look at that and you go four and three, you go, but there's only 54 games left with the athletics. I mean, for all these teams, you know, you lose a couple of games, it dramatically affects your season. I mean, the Rays got out to a hot start and you're like, oh, look out for the Rays. But then the Braves come back and take two. So now the East is very interesting. That division is interesting. The the AL Central, the Indians and, and Twins are playing a series. Shane Bieber yesterday, uh, Shane, don't call me Justin, Bieber, uh, was incredible. He has 27 strikeouts and two starts. It's like the most strikeouts in a two-game uh, two start to start the season since, like, Carl Spooner in, like, 1954 or something like that. Bieber's on a roll. He hasn't a lot of run yet. The Indians are – I love the Twins' offense, but I don't think they have the pitching to keep up with the Indians. But the other way around, I don't think the Indians have the offense to keep up with the Twins. I, I love watching that whole thing break down right now because that, those are two teams going at it where even, like I said, Detroit is the team that's uh, – Gardenhire was on with uh, Russo earlier on high heat. He's all – you know, they're all – everyone's everyone's buying into the, the Tigers' 4-3 uh, and three <laughs> start to the year because Miguel Cabrera hit a, had a multi-homer game for the first time since 2016 – Yesterday, so he has three on the year. He's twenty away from I think five hundred. So everyone's uh, buying Tigers fever seven games into the season. How about your prediction, Commander? Your Miami, don't call me Florida Marlins 
as a bunch test positive for COVID-19. But yet, the last time we saw them, they scored 11 runs. And whenever I say this, I think people cringe. They have a bunch of guys that have COVID, and they scored 11 runs against the Phillies. They are your leader in the clubhouse right now, not playing at 2-1. and one. Now, remember, if this comes down to not everybody plays equal games, it will be on winning percentage. The Braves are behind them at four and three. The Nationals, the World Champs, are three and four. The Mets are three and four. And the Phillies are one and two. Let me say that again. The last time we saw the Miami Marlins, they scored 11 runs and they pummeled the Phillies. Scott Miller joins us from San Diego. Scott, how are you? Good, Chris. How are you, my friend? Uh, we, we are doing well. Uh, what, what's it like there in Southern California? Sorry about that. I'm uh, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm out on the run. I'm at a store, and I was trying to just pull my mask off so I could talk, and my earbud got caught in my mask. That is something I never expected before 2020 to ever have to mention or even happen to me. Um, uh, things are fine down in San Diego. The Padres are an interesting team this year. Uh, it's good to have baseball back. Uh, I've seen a little bit of the A's. A lot of interesting stuff. I hope we can keep going. No doubt about it. And, and and the thing that bothers me is everybody wants to do doom and gloom. Is, right. and, I think, and I think Stan Caston was right with the Dodgers. We said, we knew all along that there are going to be some players that test positive. Uh, but, but the Marlins, what disturbs me, and I don't know if it's really coming out yet, is, is the fact that they go to Atlanta for basically, well, I guess we'll call it preseason games. And a couple of their players went out partying. And they caught COVID and brought it back to the, basically their bubble. What do we know about that? Well, we don't know a ton of details, but we do know baseball is not happy. They they found that some protocols were broken, whether the Marlins were down in their hotel bar or whatever it was. And, and, and baseball's, you know, they're dealing with not just trying to keep players healthy, which obviously is the number one concern, but they're also, uh, you know, they're trying to uh, uh, – you know, they're dealing with public health officials, um, you know, in each city, Philadelphia, for example, where the Marlins tested positive for COVID and they shut Citizens Bank Park down. They canceled the Phillies games this week. I mean, you know, it's not just baseball saying, hey, we're going to play. I mean, to play, they've got to have public health officials be on board. And when all these games are on TV and public health officials are like the rest of us. They're watching as well. And when they're saying, seeing social distancing, not being followed, when they're seeing players high five and do some stuff they're not supposed to be doing. And then when they hear reports like what happened with the Marlins, and then, uh, from there, they, they, uh, they go, um, you know, we see an outbreak with the Marlins and guys test positive. You know, baseball's getting a lot of pressure from public health officials saying, hey, you know, we, we, we signed off on you guys playing and, and we signed off on you, you guys gathering as groups as a team and, and in your local ballparks. But that was with the agreement. Everybody followed the rules. So that that's right now. Baseball's not just trying to keep the game on the field and keep the players safe and keep COVID out of the game. Um, but, the, you know, they're having to answer to public health officials as well. You know, I was very impressed by the Colorado Rockies. And from the standpoint of here is a team during a pandemic 
They start their season in the two hot spots in our country, Texas and California. And they go down, win two out of three from the Rangers. They come here to Oakland. They win the two games. They start out four and one. And I'm like, like trying to tell our fan base, I'm like, that's a really big deal to start on. You start on the road during a pandemic and you're four and one. That kind of shows you, you know, we always talk about the Rockies away from Coors Field. To me, that shows some serious toughness and how good their pitching has been. Oh, it does. No, no question about it. You know, I mean, it, and I knew we all knew it was going to help having Sean Manea back healthy for a full season again. But, you know, I mean, we haven't even seen Jesus Luzardo in the rotation yet. And I know, you know, a lot of thought that, you know, he, he's going to eventually, uh, you know, be there. And um, I, I think, you know, based on that and some other things, I think the Oakland rotation is only going to get better. This is a really, really good team with a really, really serious chance to win this year. Yeah, we've uh, we're expecting big things, but the but 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 it's all about a hot start right now, right? There's 54. I mean, it's crazy to think, Scott. There's only 54 games left. It, this is such a sprint. This is like nothing we've ever seen before. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like what each game is is worth 2.7 games in a regular schedule, regular season. Um, and I know that number gets adjusted down a little bit because there are extra playoff slots this year. So we're not talking about a normal MLB season anyway, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, with only 60 games, I mean, somebody said the other day and I, you know, you forget about this, but, uh, uh, you know, I mean, you know, we're, we're going to hit the 10 game mark here in a few days and that's going to be a one sixth of the season already gone. And we barely started. When you look at the situation with Joe Kelly getting suspended, um, I understand he wasn't with the Astros, but of course he was with the Red Sox in 2018. There is still such a bad taste for so many players about the Astros who basically got away with it and they were allowed to, they got immunity and they were allowed to say what they wanted to say and they didn't get punished. Um, Joe Kelly got hit pretty hard with his suspension. How do you feel, you know, there's going to be some type of justice among players. That's the way, just the way baseball yeah. works. Uh, how, yeah. how, how did you feel about that? Well, I thought the suspension was a little bit harsh. I mean, eight games, again, doing fractional work over a 60-game season. Eight-game suspension, you know, we're talking 13% roughly of the season, a little bit over 13%. So that's a long suspension. That's like a 22-game suspension over 162. Uh, I thought that was a little harsh. Where I come down on Joe Kelly, uh, two different things. I really like what he did because, you know, there is going to be justice among players. I like the passion. The one thing I didn't like that I think he should have done better is don't, you can't be throwing up at guys' heads. It's just too dangerous. If you're going to do that, you've got to aim right around the middle of the body, the belt on down. You know, and, and, and veteran pitchers that have done this know they can tell you, you throw, you know, a little bit behind the rear end and, and the natural reaction for the hitter is to back up. So he kind of backs into the pitch. I mean, if he had hit him in the rear end area, um, I would have absolutely no problem with it. Joe Kelly did. Um, but throwing up by the head, that, that for me, I wish he would have done it differently. Now, the weird thing is he gets this long suspension. 
he didn't he didn't hit either batter. He threw behind yeah. Alex Bregman and Carlos Correa. He did not hit anybody. He did not get kicked out of the game. And the umpires didn't even issue any warnings. I mean, which they should have. That's another issue. I mean, they, the umpires probably should have uh, had a talk with both teams before the game with the manager, saying, "Look, we know the history. We're not going to tolerate anything." But you know, I don't know why that wasn't done. So part of this was mishandled as well. But yeah, overall. Um, you know, it's odd. I mean, like I say, he didn't hit anybody yet. He's suspended for all this length of time, but that, that's why I say, I I like his thought. I just wish he would have done it, you know, thrown at the bottom half of the body. You can't go upstairs that much. And and I can tell you the A's are one of the first teams to ever complain to major league baseball about sign stealing. They knew it was going on. So are, are we in a situation when the A's play the Astros, you immediately have to warn the managers I mean, I mean, how much are are we going to protect these guys who basically got away with everything? Well, and and the answer to your question, I think, is we're going to protect those Astros an awful lot this year because, you know, you go back to when spring training before it was interrupted back in February, March, when Commissioner Manfred, uh, you know, in fact, he said it. I think, if I'm not mistaken, about a day after, you know, all kinds of players across the league were ripping the Astros and uh, they were threatening them. And Dusty Baker finally said look, baseball is going to have to do something because my guys aren't just going to be targets all year. And it was a day or two after that that, sure enough, Rob Manford stepped up and said, you know, we're not going to tolerate headhunting on the Astros this year. And, you know, based on Joe Kelly's suspension, uh, he clearly meant what he said early in the spring because of the severity of the suspension. I mean, he, he put his, you know, he certainly backed that up. So, you know, if I'm playing the Astros this year, if I'm Oakland, if I'm the A's or anybody else, you know, I, I think awful hard before I make an impulsive decision, whether it's to try to throw it at a batter or do anything else, because I think it's been made pretty clear now you're going to get whacked. You know, and let's end on this. We, we, we're, we're talking about the CBA coming up after this season. And the thing for me, which is so interesting, is the fact that, you know, talking about universal DH, that's a win for the players union. Uh, maybe adding two more teams, Portland and somewhere else, whether it's Montreal or Nashville, that's more jobs. It seems like baseball keeps doing everything the players union wants. It's almost like Tony Clark, like what, what what's Tony Clark not getting and the players union not getting that, that, that they don't, they, they're not agreeing upon. In terms of, of what? Well, to me, they're constantly giving them more jobs. I mean, as I said, the universal DH, adding to right. organizations, like like uh, money's going up. You got record record contracts. Like like, what are they not happy with? Well, money's not going up. That's the one thing. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, uh, the average. I mean, there's some like Mookie Betts contract, obviously an eye opener. Record contract. Mike Trout, his extension. Manny Machado and Bryce Harper last year. All of that is pretty eye-popping, and there, there are some record contracts. There's no question. But the low-end guys aren't getting – or the middle – you know, it's either the all or nothing. The, the, the entry-level guys, you know, young players, of course, get the major league minimum. And what's happening is with these record contracts, some of the, the veteran middle-of-the-road players are getting squeezed out of the game. Um, here, here's the key, and this is, this is where the players' union feels pressure. Um, the last two years, not this year, but 2019 and 18, 
the average major league salary has declined for two years running. That's that it seems hard to believe in light of the big contracts, but the average average major league contract has declined in in average annual value two years in a row leading into this year. So that's the first time that's happened in back to back years since the players union started basically in the, in the late sixties. So while the the stars are getting theirs, the flip side is other guys aren't and the players union is watching two years of declining average salary. And they're saying, wait a minute, we know baseball the last couple of years has had record revenues, the $12 billion a year industry, 11 or 12 billion. So while the revenues are going up, the average salary two years ago gone down. That's that's the crux of a lot of the disagreement between the players' union right now and the owners, and what and what the players' union isn't happy with. Scott, what's so fascinating about that is that's what they wanted. The players wanted a system. They want the big money. Yeah, they wanted to be. They wanted Mike Trout contracts. Now that it's back, isn't it amazing how this is what they fought for? We don't want a salary cap because. Because if we look at the NBA and we look at the NFL, the salary cap helps middle-of-the-road players. They make more in a salary cap. But yet baseball doesn't want that. They've always wanted the stars to get paid, and now they're realizing what they've wanted is not working for them. Right. So, you know, this current bait, we already went through hell and high water to try to get the game back on the field this year. It got there. Hopefully it stays there and we can avoid more coronavirus cases. And then we've got next year and then the current collective bargaining agreement is up after next year. So basically uh, they're all going to have to regroup and start negotiating with each other again here, you know, less than a year, probably in the next five or six months, it's going to be time to start the next batch of negotiations. So, you know, for those of us that miss the game when it's not on the field, as we did earlier this summer, we can only hope those negotiations go a lot smooth, more smoothly than this year's. But uh, it's going to be, I'm sure, some animosity and some a lot of nail biting for everybody. Are you still doing some work around the Padres? Uh, some. I do some TV for Fox Sports San Diego. Yep. By the way, those new uniforms they're they're very clean. I I like the look. Yeah, you know, I've, 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 brown's never been my favorite color, but of course the Padres, they went retro because when they came into the league in 1969, you know, they were brown and gold, then they went brown and orange. And uh, having said what I did about brown, I will agree with you that so far they, they did a real nice job with that uh, with redesign. All three of the uniforms they've worn so far this season at home and on the road uh, look real good. You are the best. We always appreciate your time. Stay safe down there in Southern California. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Take care, Chris. Scott Miller, one of the top uh, columnists in all of baseball down in Southern California. Um, I will admit, growing up in San Diego, these are by far the best. I mean, they're, they're, the Padres uniforms were so bad when I was a kid. No one wore when I, I, no one wore Padre gear. No one. It was bad, and it it got worse in the late '80s where they they went to even a darker brown. You know, one more pot. Well, to be honest with you, it's one thing I've noticed through all these years is that 
you look at old footage of games, everybody just wore regular clothes to games. People didn't wear the team's gear. And then now, somehow, they convince you, be a part of this. You're more of a fan. And now everybody has, I mean, I literally have over 20 A's hats. I mean, I've got Titleist A's hats. I got all the 4th of July A's hats. I've got Father's Day A's hat. I got so many A's that like my, my wife was like, you don't need this many hats. You're not going to wear them. I, you, 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 Commander, you've seen it. I have a very impressive, between Raiders and A's, I literally have over 50 hats between the two teams. It's a very impressive hat collection. It's like my shoe collection. I'm one of those. I'm a weirdo. I collect shoes. Not collect, but I have lots of I have lots of pairs of shoes. I don't think there are anywhere near as many as you have uh, Raider and Ace hats lying around, or your Mets visor or hat, whatever you have lying around. You have. I have a Mister Met hat that my buddy got me when he was at Shea, not Shea Stadium, at uh, City Field. You you have a a very eclectic group of hats, and some of them are very random, which is the best part. My best, though, I will admit, it's either, God, was it four or five years ago, the 4th of July A's hat, the red, white, and blue that I have, is literally the best hat I own. And I never wear it. It never leaves the house. So maybe if the A's are in the World Series, because I wore the, because my other special hat, is the A's All Star hat that Josh Donaldson wore, and how many A's? How many A's were in the? Was there six A's in the All Star game? And then he counts Marja as seven. Yeah, I think it was seven. It was what Moss Donaldson. Let's see if we can guess this without looking it up. Moss. Okay. Donaldson. Cespedes. Cespedes. Okay, there's three. Um, I'm trying to think, who was a starting pitcher then? Jason, no, Hamill wasn't part of that team. Scott Casimir. Casimir, yeah, that's that's a good pull. That's, that's little- four. And by the way, he's sneaky, one of the best guys. I love so supposedly back in the Tampa Bay Devil. Was he a Devil Ray or a Ray? He was a Devil Ray. Just- okay, supposedly Casimir was tough to deal with back in the day, but with the A's, I love Scott Casimir. Dude was solid. And do you know, I'm the last guy. They have this on uh, CSN. It was back then. It was CSN, California. As Casimir was walking out, I was walking in. I'm the last guy to say goodbye to him as he was getting traded. And I got to rap with him. They had it on TV. And I didn't even know the camera was there. I was just like, he's walking out. I'm like, where are you going, man? He's like, I just got traded. You got traded? Didn't he? All right, so we got uh, Casimir. Who else? Okay, I, I had to look it up because we were stumbling. Uh, one guy's a national right now. Oh, Doolittle. Doolittle. The other guy's. Uh, the other guy's. I don't even think he's in the league anymore. It's not Lowry. Jed. No. Jed. Uh, we'll Jed's get to, still under contract. There's a Jed Lowry buying or selling question. We'll get to later. <laughs> but no, it's not. It's not Jed. Jed was an All Star. Well, I I actually interviewed him at the All Star game two years ago in DC. When him and Blake went, Blake Trinan. Um, how about old friend Derek Norris? Wow. <laughs> Are you serious? Derek Norris was an all-star? Yeah, the 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 starting lineup for the American League that year was uh, Matt Wieters, but he was replaced by Sal, Sal Perez. Cabrera, Ke- Cabrera uh, Robbie Cano, don't you know? 
uh, Derek Jeter, Derek. Donaldson, uh, Bat Flippin' Batista, uh, Mike Trout, Adam Jones, and Nelly Cruz. Nelly Cruz still playing six years later. 40. So I'm trying to see if we missed anyone else. Uh, doesn't look like it. I think we got all the the A's. And then we Eric had, Norris was on the All Star team. He was a he was a backup reserve catcher. Him and the great Kurt Suzuki was an All Star that year too. Who was Kurt playing for at that point? Minnesota. Derek Norris was an All Star. Yeah, an All Star. Derek Norris was an All Star. Literally left the A's, and he's I. I, 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 he is? I think he's out of the league. I want to say I remember him lastly with like what San Diego is that where he got traded to after the A's. Victor Martinez Derek Norris was on that team. played six years. How was he an All Star? What were his numbers? Two seventy, ten bombs, fifty five RBIs, seven sixty three OPS. He couldn't throw anybody. He couldn't even throw you out, Cody. How was he an All Star? He was an All Star. That's shocking. I forgot about that. Must have been a bad year for catchers. I mean, I mean, Weeders got hurt, and you got Sal Perez. They were probably the two best catchers in the American League then. And Sal Perez would have been young. He was really young, yeah, because they went to that was the first first of two years they went to the World Series. Then he missed all of last year, which was a bummer for the Royals, even though they stunk. And he's back now. I I, I really enjoy. And he's only like thirty. He's still relatively young. He's young, but we say Yaz and Dickerson are old for the Giants. But Perez at thirty is young. <laughs> <laughs> he had Tommy John surgery, right? He had something. Yeah, I don't know if it was Tommy John, but he had some weird surgery. Like uh, this, like the position player uh, Tommy John surgery, so more common now. Like we saw Corey Seager have it. Uh, Aaron Hicks had it. He came back from uh, Tommy John in like seven months because of the the late start to the season. So he was back before a full year even ended. All right, coming up next, are we calling him or is he calling us? He'll be calling us. David Force, the general manager, will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Some things just go together. Peanut butter and jelly. Cookies and milk. Oakland and Kaiser Permanente. If that last one caught you off guard, it shouldn't. Because Kaiser Permanente has been helping keep Oakland healthy since our very beginning. And as the official healthcare partner of the Oakland A's, that won't be changing anytime soon. Whatever you may need, you can trust Kaiser Permanente to help keep you feeling your best. Kaiser Permanente. Thrive. Visit kp.org today. COVID-19 is more than a health crisis. It's a financial crisis for many California families. In this moment, you shouldn't have to worry about keeping the lights on. That's why at PG&E, we want you to know about our programs to reduce bills for customers facing economic hardship that we've suspended all disconnections because of non-payment, and we can help you save money by using less energy. To learn more, visit safetyactioncenter.pge.com. Right now, staying connected is more important than ever, and fast, reliable internet from Xfinity can help. We have plans to fit every budget, with speeds up to a gig, all at xfinity.com. We'll ship you a self-install kit on us to make setup quick, safe, and easy. No tech visit required. And our simple digital tools will help you manage your account online. At Xfinity, we're committed to keeping you connected. Find great offers and value today at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. 
Chevron and its brands are committed to reliably providing fuel to customers, even during an emergency. The safety and health of workers, customers, and the communities where Chevron operates are primary concerns. In Northern California, Chevron and Texaco stations are open for business, supplying quality fuels in a safe manner. This is Chris Townsend for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. During these horrific times, people still need to get food, and the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek does deliver. Give them a call at 925-322-8799. That's 925-322-8799. Don't forget, their world-famous chicken pie and also all the other pies that they have you can freeze and have for a long time. So give the pie shop in Walnut Creek a call. You call them at 925-322-8799. And don't forget, you can also get beer, wine, and spirits with your delivery. And you can check out the full menu, chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com. You don't need to understand how available adaptive variable suspension works or how pre-collision cameras detect pedestrians in low light. You don't need to understand any of the craft that went into the Lexus ES to feel it. With outstanding connectivity and standard Lexus Safety System Plus 2.0, experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. LSS Plus 2.0 and the pre-collision system with pedestrian detection are not a substitute for safe and attentive driving practices. See owner's manual for additional limitations and details. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Are you ready for the seven-inning doubleheader, Cody? Because that has been approved. I'm uh, looking forward to this. Uh, I think it's a good. I think it's a good idea for this year. I'm trying to think. How long were our games in high school? Were they seven innings or they were six innings? I think ours, when I played high school baseball in southwestern Pennsylvania, were seven innings. Yeah, I think they were seven innings. Now, granted, my last year of high school was in 1990, so do not judge me if I don't remember. I think they were seven innings. I mean, because you know, ours were, so. I graduated in 07. I, I, I'm going to tell you, when I was in high school, there was no bullpen. Starters went the whole there, game. There, there was no one warming up when I pitched in high school. Yes, I was all San Diego, too, by the way, and player of the year of my league. Just and, to pat my back. And good friends with Tony Clark and uh, Dave Roberts back then, too. I played on an all-star team with Tony Clark. I batted first. Where do you think he batted? Former big leader. Had a great career. Fourth. Ninth. Wow. He was ninth. He was a big guy, so I figured he was a home run hitter. Then. Oh, my God. He was like 6'8". It was like he, he, people people forget that Tony Clark really was a better basketball player than he was a baseball player. And he was, I want to say, the Tigers took him, I think, second overall. I don't think he was first. I think he was second overall. But. He signed to play at Arizona, which, if you remember back in the day, Arizona basketball was a big deal. So, Tony, and I think Tony finished at San Diego State, but he was supposed, people thought Tony Clark was going to be a great NBA player, just like the great David Force was back in the day in the Ivy League. David, how are you? Hey, Tony, what's going on? We just talked about Tony Clark. So, I played on an all-star team with Tony back in the day in San Diego, (laughs) And uh, I think he was the second overall pick by the Tigers, 
but everybody thought Tony Clark was going to be a great player in the NBA as he signed with Arizona. Cause I mean, he's six, eight. I mean, the guy could fill it up back in the days. Yeah. I mean, he's on the list of players that gets talked about with Tony Gwynn and Dave Winfield, these guys who were just incredible athletes, two sport, three sport guys. I remember like even Ricky Williams, you know, Heisman Trophy winner, great running back. He even got drafted. Well, I, I know this is bizarre to start out like this, but what is it like when you're scouting a guy who has a football background or a basketball background and you're going to draft him and you don't know like like what he's got? I mean, you guys with Kyler Murray. I mean, when you draft a guy like that, what is that like? Because there's, there, there's not a for sure he's going to play. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't sure if you were going down the Kyler Road or not. But um, no, I mean, as long as I've been here, we've, al- we've always talked a lot about two-sport guys. And, um, you know, you're, you're, you're judging guys on their athleticism as much as you are their baseball skills. And it's an important ingredient when you're uh, evaluating. So obviously in Kyler, you, you have one of the very few guys in history who's talented enough to be a first-round pick in two different sports. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely remember, uh, Tony Clark being in that category. Yeah. Dave Winfield was drafted in all three, which is pretty, pretty incredible. So when you're watching these games right now, and I know for me, the way I'm evaluating them, obviously your evaluation is far more important. Uh, these games, it's just, it, they're so critical because it's like, you look up you're three and three and you go, my God, there's only 54 left. Yeah, it's it's a little weird. I mean, people talk about how every game counts for three games or, or you know, 2.7 to be exact. Um, I mean, that's the case for everybody. So, I mean, I saw I saw Joe Madden's comments, I think, after the first night where he said, you know, it kind of feels like we lost a three-game series in one day. Um, well, they came out and won the next day. So it, everything sort of evens out. Um, I mean, that said, you are sort of hyper-aware of how critical – each game feels and, um, you know, particularly with the, uh, the environment around the league right now, I feel like we're waking up every morning to check Twitter to see if the games are still going on. So you just, you just sort of take each, each game as it comes. Yeah. And that is, and what you just said is so true. It's like you wake up and you cross your fingers and, and, and we talked to Scott Miller from bleach report who, you know, it's going to come out that the Marlin players broke protocol. They tested positive. They didn't, they spread it inside the organization. And I know you guys are doing everything you can to protect everybody. It's just not the players, it's the coaches, it's everybody. Just how important is it that you just keep telling the players you have to not break protocol? You can't do it. Yeah, it's critical. And then I don't know any of the specifics of the Marlins thing. I've seen the same things you have on Twitter and the articles written today, but I don't know uh, anything for sure. Um, but I do know that we spent a lot of the homestand talking you know, through Bob and then also some directly to the players, just stressing all this stuff, particularly as we head out on the road. It seems to be the biggest obstacle and, and the most, frankly, the most dangerous place is to be on planes and buses and in hotels so we had a meeting i guess on tuesday and um first of all our meeting had to be out in the parking lot because um you know the last thing we want is to get a whole bunch of people indoors for an extended period of time in the clubhouse so we had this this like bizarre meeting out in f lot 
where, um, you know, our traveling secretary, Mickey Morbido, talked about the logistics of the plane and all the things that are different than a normal season. And then Nick Paparesta, our head athletic trainer, really sort of set the tone and said, hey, this is, you got to take this seriously and you got to wear the mask and you got to be careful around everybody and everything. And you never know, uh, you know, where you might pick this, this thing up. So it's, it's always on our minds without a doubt. I mean, I, I think you got to be proud. Uh, you know, because everybody I talk talk to, they go, I feel safe when I'm at the Coliseum. I mean, and to let fans know, I'm not, and Cody, my producer, we're not even allowed to come. And they told us, stay home and do what you do. But just how proud are you of what you, the front office, and what you guys have done to where uh, everybody feels like they're safe at the Coliseum? Yeah, I, I didn't mean to, to detract from it. I'm very proud of where we are right now and that we've gotten this far. And, it, and it's because of the hard work of the medical staff and, and the stadium's operations groups, frankly, that, that put everything in place and the clubhouse staff as well that, that got things ready. And, and our players have done a good job. I think there's there's a good bond on this group. They all you know feel responsible for one another. Um, and they have done a great job. I, I think the, the scary thing is that you can do all that and and still you know you know, still not know where you might uh, where you might pick up the virus, particularly like I said on the road. So um, no, it's it, it, it's been great to see these guys come together and do it. And, and here we are, we're six games into the season. You know, basically a month since we started uh, summer camp, and um, and we we don't currently have any positives in the organization. Knock on wood, which is great. And that's you know that, that's with. 30 plus guys in Oakland and the staff. And that's with everybody down in the alternate side of San Jose, where I was earlier today to check in on them. And um, guys are, guys are taking it seriously and working hard. You just, you just sort of feel how tenuous it is across the game on a daily basis. Yeah. You think about the alternate site. I love San Jose Muni. That's where I played with San Jose state. And of course the San Jose giants have, have played there all the way when they were the San Jose Bees. God, George Brett even played there back in the day. But what is it like when you go down there? Just kind of give us insight. What is it like? You you have these players playing in this this ballpark. What are they doing? How are they doing? How's it going? It it's going really well. It it has been a great partnership with the San Jose Giants. Their people have been incredibly accommodating, and it's it's actually it's a really good vibe down there. Ed Sprague, our farm director, is overseeing it. And you have a mix of players that are, you know, probably, you know, two thirds of guys who are staying in shape, potentially, you know, getting ready to come up here when, when the call's needed, if there's an injury or if we make player moves. But then you've also got these, you know, eight to 10 guys who are clearly just the young prospect guys, the, you know, the Davidsons, the Posans, the Soderstroms of the world who sort of bring this usefulness to the group and I was down there today. They, they had some, you know, some competitions some simulated games. The guys are battling against each other. And I think, uh, I think they're grateful to be out there. I mean, they were, you know, they spent three months, three plus months at home, not knowing if there was going to be any opportunity for them to play this year. And so I think they're appreciative to be out there. The staff is, uh, is doing a great job. They're happy to be working. And uh, it's really, it's made for a great mix and a great vibe. And uh, there are a bunch of guys there who are ready. Should we need to call on them? Yeah, this Passan kid, you're, people think he's going to be a star. But he's only 17. I, I believe he's only 17 years yeah. old. 
I mean, what is that? How do you protect? I'm like thinking about when I was 17, I was happy just to be driving around in my Volkswagen bug. Uh, what's it like when you have this kid from a foreign country, 17 years old, he's probably going to be a star. Like, 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 how do you handle that? Yeah, I mean, it's he's 17, Soderstrom 17, Brown Buelvas also 17, maybe just turned 18 years old. But you got these young kids, and you know, for them again, it's it's incumbent upon Ed and the staff there. You explain to them, hey, you come to the ballpark and you go back to the hotel, and if you want to sit in your room and play video games or watch TV, <laughs> what, whatever it is, that's those are your days from now until the end of September. So this is your opportunity to develop and be in front of the staff and. Uh, you know, it's it's a couple months, and uh, these guys live to play baseball anyways. They, you know, Pasan has been itching to to get out and play, so uh, it's been it's been fun to listen to the reports from down there. You know, I think about all the other guys who are not getting their opportunity. I mean, professionals. I mean, it's it's really sad, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's just it is what it is. What do you say to all the other minor leaguers? Like, how do you direct them going forward? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, you, you do feel for those guys, and, and they just there aren't enough spots for everybody to be part of this, and there just was no mechanism, you know, by which to create a development opportunity for the rest of the guys. And it's unfortunate; it's a lost year for a lot of guys. And you know, hopefully, a lot of them are, are working out on their own and, and getting better and uh, I mean, you'd like to think come February, March next year, we're going to have a normal spring, but who knows? I mean, there's so much uncertainty going forward in the game. So you feel for those guys um, and you know that this is what they want to be doing. They, you know, every guy who, who is on a minor league team sees himself as having a chance to get to the big leagues. And this is just it's a rough year for a lot of people in that position. You know, if you get out to a hot start, life's great. If you don't get out to a hot start, I think it's easy to look at Chris Davis, you know, 0 for 15. How how are you guys going to handle certain individuals that don't get off to a good start? Well, we've talked to Bob a lot about uh, about how you approach this thing as a team and, and also with individuals. And, you know, you saw some of his comments the last few days about, um, you know, maybe doing some things differently that you wouldn't do over 162 games. So, uh, I think we'll, you know, we'll see. We'll probably take a couple more games to see who's swinging the bat well. Obviously, guys like Seth Brown and Barreto haven't really had much of an opportunity yet. And I think as long as we've got this, you know, this 30-man roster, I think Bob wants to figure out the best way to use everybody and get everyone involved. But um, but it'll start here. You know, we're six games in. You know, by the time we get back from Seattle, ten games is is a sixth of the of the schedule and it'll be time to start sort of setting that lineup every night so I, I don't think we're far away from it I, I think he wants to kind of feel around a little bit longer but uh, but it's important to put guys in in the same spot every night here coming up soon I mean this has got to be crazy for you David I mean we only have 54 games left I mean it's so hard to even you know wrap your your hands around what's going on that you're three and three 54 games left I mean as a general manager, just what has this been like for you? It's hard to articulate just the baseball part of it, Chris, because it, you know, look, it, it's the most important part. It's what we do. It's what we all signed up for. 
Um, but there's so much more involved in this operation. And, and, you know, there's been four and a half months now of things that aren't baseball and everything it took to get here. And, and frankly, the, the day-to-day maintenance of this operation. So it's, it's a weird situation to be in as a general manager. And, and, you know, those three hours a day, you're as sort of laser focused as ever. And trust me, the last two games against Colorado, I, you know, I took hard the same way I would any games in 162 game seasons, you know, cause we, we did play well as getting three out of four from the angels and you want to keep that going. Um, but the other 21 hours of the day are so bizarro compared to what we're used to that it's, uh, it's a it's a hard thing to kind of wrap your head around. So I try and try and keep those two things in perspective and know how hard the players are working, and and we owe it to them to kind of put in the same the same effort we normally would. And and I'm you know I've been really proud of our baseball operations staff who has done all the advanced work and the defensive alignments and the pitching work, and you know they've they've definitely. Uh, they've definitely worked as hard as ever, um, but there's so much else going on around the team and the ballpark the rest of the day. It's, it's you know, it's hard to, to really articulate what this is like. And we really appreciate the, the candidness, no question, because, yeah, this is it's crazy times. And I think about like a trading deadline where you got to get on the phone and you're talking to other executives, but I'm sure you're talking about how you say it's staying safe, how we're staying safe. I mean. I, what do you think it's going to be like when you're making those phone calls where, yeah, you're talking about players, but you're also talking about just everybody staying safe? Yeah, we, we've been doing that constantly. I, I have a, you know, there's a group of GMs that I'm close to and text with a lot and ask, you know, how, how are you guys doing? What, what have you done about this? You know, so-and-so. Um, I mean, it's bizarre. Today is the, the trade deadline in a normal year. I mean, we would have – we would have spent the last week on the on the phone all the time trying to figure out what to do with our club. So, you know, you wake up and see the calendar says July 31st. That's meant one thing and only one thing for the last 20 years for me. Um, so it's different, and, and we'll get to that point, hopefully. But, um, but yeah, there's always any conversation you have with someone from another club, there's always, uh, you know, the initial small talk about, hey, what, you know, what are you doing about this rule or, or how you – how you keeping guys from doing this or, or whatever the case may be. There's, there's always something else to talk about now other than just players. Let's end on this. So Jesus Cesardo is going to, I, it's being reported. He's going to start on Tuesday. That's the plan. Let, let, let her rip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, Jesus obviously had the setback early on where he was out of camp for the first couple of weeks, but our, our plan was always to have him in the rotation and, you know, he's had two outstanding outings now. Uh, you know, how many innings and pitches he goes in a start on Tuesday night remains to be seen. But, um, but now is as good a time as any to get him in the rotation. How good do you think he can be? Uh, I think for the Chris Bassett who said a few days ago, he can be one of the, you know, basically one of the best pitchers in the game. I don't, I don't disagree with what Chris said. And, and you know, when, when Jesus has been healthy, there, there has not been a level yet that, uh, that he hasn't had a chance to dominate. So hopefully that remains the case up here. David, great stuff as always. We truly appreciate it. And you guys are doing an outstanding job keeping really, I mean, like, like Ken Korak has said, 
everybody's safe. It's it, it, it's the players, it's the coaches, it's the front office, it's the media, it's the, the, the you know, Clay Wood and his staff. Everybody feels like you guys are doing everything you can to keep everybody safe. So uh, you guys are doing a great job. We truly appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate you saying that. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next time. David Force, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics. And that's the thing. It's kind of like you got 30 teams and everybody's got to do their part. And it's coming out. And that's what kind of bothered me is for some reason, our national media has forgotten how to be journalists. Ask questions. Like, why? Why is this? What, what, why the Marlins? Because I started looking at, as David said, you go on Twitter and you're like, oh, my God, we're worried about shutting down. And everybody on Twitter, see, baseball shouldn't be playing. Well, no, the Marlins players went out and partied in Atlanta. Whether it's the hotel, I haven't read today where they were, but what they weren't doing was what protocol calls for. They went out, caught the virus, and brought it into the bubble. They weren't being careful. They weren't worried about anybody other than themselves. And when you do that, bad things are going to happen. Yeah, it, was, it looks like it was the uh, hotel bar and the hotel they're at in Atlanta is what I've been seeing. Because I think it was Andy McCullough from The uh, from the Athletic tweeted, why, why was the bar open? Which is a good question. I mean, I know Georgia has their, – their restrictions are completely Every different than what we have. Different. Every state's different. And you know what? Here's the thing about it. So you had to be next to somebody who had it for an, because if we're going to read about the science of it, you got to be next to somebody for a period of time. It's not like you walk somebody walk, and this could be all wrong. I mean, we're going to find out a lot about this probably in the next year or so, and hope to God we have a treatment and a vaccine. But what they do tell us. As of right now, like you're not walking by somebody and getting you got to be like next to somebody for a, a period of time to be able to contract it. So that's why I had that's why I had questions right, right out of the gate. Like, oh, my God, the Marlins. But they but the media acted like everybody had it like all of baseball. No. And what was and, and how about the Phillies? People with the Phillies. No, no player tested positive for the Phillies. It was a clubhouse attendant in the opposing clubhouse and somebody else. None of the players, none of the managers. What about Renteria in Chicago? Remember he had a little cough and, and a cold? Did he ever – Did he He didn't test positive, correct? No, and I actually saw him managing the game the other day against Cleveland. I think it was the finale of their the four-game series they had. or it was, I think it was maybe it was that, that doubleheader they played. The last doubleheader of 2020 that was played two nine-inning games – Mind you, I saw. I think I saw Renteria in the dugout, so he he was back. And then you had the, Car- the two Cardinals players, the uh, pitchers, is what I heard uh, the test of positive today. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. But you know, it out of the sixty five hundred tests that came out, what was the last week that they reported on earlier this week? There was no positive cases for players. That's still a good sign. Um, I don't know where the media is going with this doom and gloom. Nobody in the NBA tested positive. They tested every single player. That's good news. I, I don't. I and, and Ryan Roland Smith is going to join us here. Uh, former Australian. I'm, 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 uh, I'm calling him. Former Mariner. He is TV now for the Mariners, right? Yeah. 
TV. Australian, like our own Liam Hendricks. Hello. Ryan, how you doing? It's Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. Hey, guys. How you doing? We are doing well. How are you guys doing in the Pacific Northwest? We're doing okay. We're hanging in there. <laughs> I know. It's great. You know, it, it, it it's so crazy. You know, we just had the Rockies in town. And I was telling our audience, you know, these guys go down to Texas. They come here to the Bay Area. Both Texas and California are hot spots. And when you finish right. your road trip to start the season out four and one, I got to tell you, that was really impressive to watch. Anybody that's going on the road right now and winning, that's impressive. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a lot. There's a lot more, so many more challenges for, for these players than on the road. And I feel like it's inevitable, though. I mean, at some point, you're going to run into, like you said, a hot spot or some situation because, yeah, you know, Major League Baseball, yes, they're trying to be careful, but there's really no regulations. Guys, in and out of the hotel. I know, you know some of the Mariners players were like, should we leave the hotel? Is it safe? Everyone's kind of on the fence as to what is good and what's bad. And I think, too, honestly, as crazy as it sounds, the Marlins and what's happened with the Phillies, um, you know, for the team covering every other team, hopefully this is a wake-up call and the manager brings them in, has that team meeting, says, guys, just don't leave the hotel. Just stay put, mask on, and let's try and keep everyone healthy so we can try and sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, when, when, when it first came out about the Marlins, I, I mean, I had to put my thinking cap on because the media doesn't do it anymore, and they don't really ask the right <laughs> questions, and they were like, oh, my God, everybody in baseball. I was like, oh, wait a minute. How, how do they get mm -hmm. it in the other 2019? Well, obviously, they broke protocol. They go down to yeah. the hotel bar, which you're not supposed to. I mean, if these guys realize for two – we're just asking you to do the right thing for two months. That's all we're asking. Right. Right, and and you look at it this way too. It's, it's one of these things that it's it's going to affect your career one way or the other. It's it's you know look, and I'm not I'm not you know pointing fingers at the Marlins young roster or anything like that whatsoever. But you're right. How does one team come out with this many cases? I'm guessing too. I, I haven't looked you know deeper into this. Apparently, they're playing with guys they knew that were infected, which is like come on, really? So yeah. I think it, it goes. It, it comes down to it's it's not. Oh, the players are victims here. It's, you know what? You stay in the hotel for a couple of months. It's going to affect your career if you don't. And, and from an organizational standpoint, when you look at this, so if you look at these different rosters that are built, we just played the Angels, who just went out and just spent a boatload of money to, you know, to, for, to get Anthony Rendon. They got no pitching. But they look at this. If they lose two of those guys in that lineup, they are screwed. It affects them long term as well, where they are as a, and people's jobs on the line. It's just a crazy time. Well, and you think about last year, you know, we, we took on the, you know, we took on the Mariners in Japan and then we come back and the Mariners got out to a hot start. Now, obviously yeah. by the end of the year, it was a different deal, but it's like, I mean, tell me as a player, uh, you get out to a hot, a hot start, no matter what the roster looks like, you got to feel confident. You do. And, and it's crazy. I mean, you, you got 10 straight here you, or you go, you know, eight and two in a period of time, let's say in two weeks, the Seattle Mariners, who were not picked to do anything this year, they're in, you know, quote-unquote, rebuild, reset, whatever, however they want to label it, year. And they go out and, and you know, two weeks from now, go ahead and go eight and two. Man, they're staring down the barrel of one of these extra, extra playoff spots. And the other part of this is, too, you can, on the flip side of that, you know, you have a team that goes to some hot spot at the right time of the year or the wrong time of the year, and all of a sudden, boom, 
there you are. But from a player's point of view, it's crazy. This 60-game season, I'm still fascinated by some of these guys' pitching performance. I, you know, I was a pitcher, and if I had three weeks of summer camp just doing inner squads, trust me, my first couple of outings would be rough. I'd be throwing about 82 miles an hour and just hanging curveballs left, right, and center. I'd be getting crushed. So it's pretty impressive. Some of these dudes who are ready to go, like Marco Gonzalez, he looked okay his first time out. Second time out, he looked, he looked great with the Mariners last night. So I'm going to tip my hat to him. It's a crazy situation. They were hanging out at home in isolation, and then Bruno said, strap it on, you've got three weeks. Uh, and then here they are, 60 game season. Anything can happen. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just it's a, it's a crazy time of year. You know, we're now starting to see starting pitchers go the second time around. We got to see the first starts. Mm-hmm. Now it's the same. Like, when do you think starting pitchers are going to be able to be like, okay, six, seven innings, I'm good to go? I think I, I usually, you know, coming out of spring training, I'd usually, you know, the first one, a bit of a mulligan, I think, for, for a lot of guys. Not everyone, but a lot of guys. You know, if you're, if you're a guy who you know, relies on feel, like, you know, like Marco Gonzalez, for, I used him as an example, he pitched last night. Well, then I'm going to give him a couple. Uh, some of these other guys, everyone apparently throws 97, 98 these days. But I think, you know, usually, uh, usually it's that second, third time. You should be able to get in some kind of rhythm. But the, the crazy thing about this is coming off a three-week summer camp, I'm, I'm going to give it a couple more before guys lock in. But the problem is with that, I mean, guys are going to get, what, nine starts, ten starts, maybe. So you're looking at halfway through the year where you're going to start settling in. And it's one of these things that can play on your mind, too. I know this. It would start to warm up. I'd be midway through the year. I'd start looking up at that ERA, and then you start pressing a little bit. So if you're only two, three starts into this, and you start glancing up and you still see a six up on the board, that can mess with your head because you're like, man, I've only got a month here to figure this out and prove myself if I'm a young pitcher to going into next year. So that can play on your mind as well. And that can be a factor with some of these, some of these pitchers, you know, knowing that they've only got two months to really try and settle in and put up some good numbers. How about the hitters? I mean, there's guys right now. We got one of them in Chris Davis, who's 0 for 15. Can you imagine? Right. You you don't have a hit yet. You're a weekend. Right, and and that's you know we had you know Daniel Vogel back. He was an all star last year who had got off to such a hot start in April last year, and then the league kind of figured him out, and then he started to simmer down. Again, it's one of these things that you just hit into a bone net for two straight months. You know, not quite. You don't really have a date as to when this is going to kick off, and then you start turning on the TV, flicking on Twitter, and you see the the players' union and the owners going back and forth. Like, okay, we're close, we're close. And then all of a sudden, you find out now you got three weeks in, in a squad. So from the hitter standpoint, man, it's going to be tough facing live pitching guys you don't know, not your teammates. Guys from you know, everyone throws ninety five plus, like I said. And now you got to you know, you got to get off the couch. You've been sitting on for three months or hitting into that bucket you bought from Amazon. Go three weeks into summer camp, and now you go to perform. And again, same thing. You're going to start pressing a little bit. And, and as you said, you know these guys are throwing 97, 98. Got even certain guys are throwing over a hundred. And now with starting starting pitchers only going like three, four innings. Now you got to face yeah. every single time up. You're facing a different pitcher. I mean that exactly. as a that's got to be unbelievable. Yeah, and and again, and you're going to get. You know, matched up a lot more. You know, if you're left-handed hitter, you're going to face more lefties, more at-bats facing uh, lefties because those starters just aren't going as long. And there's a, you know, there's uh, you know two to three lefties that they can throw at you because you've got that extended uh, roster as well. Uh, let's end on this. Uh, Liam Hendricks, also a fellow Australian. How much do you follow uh, if there's an Australian in the league? How much do you follow that guy? 
Well, first of all, Liam and I, are, we're, we're pretty close. We're good friends. And one of your ex-players, uh, Grant Balfour. Grant Balfour was a groomsman at my wedding. So we're, we're a tight little community. If you, <laughs> and I've had both these guys. I've got a podcast. I've had both of them on, and it's been a blast. I feel like I'm you know, sitting at the pub drinking a beer when I, when I spoke to both of them. Uh, but Liam, I'm so I'm, I'm proud of him, man. What he's done coming from Minnesota, proving himself, getting a chance. Bob Melvin giving him a chance to close, and he's just tearing it up. So I keep in constant contact with him. Uh, he's always good, but there's, there's Australian kids back home that I, I like to coach. Um, and he'll, he'll be like, hey, man, give, give the kid my number. He can give me a call. I'm like, dude, you're an MLB all-star, man, chill out. You know what I mean? That's the kind of person he is. So I'm in close contact with him. I follow what he does. He always seems to have that little roller coaster period uh, in his year where he'll give it up for a little bit and then, and then simmer back down. So I'm, I'm excited to watch him and see where this goes the next couple of years in his career. But, uh, yeah, he's a good mate of mine, that's for sure. Well, I can tell you, having covered both Liam, Liam's salt of the earth, what he does for people, what he does for animals, it's yeah. amazing. And, right. and Balfour, it's just, it's, it's, it, it, you guys are so level headed and good guys that you don't allow the money and the stardom to, 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 to change you guys. That's the one thing I've always noticed about Australian players. Right. Well, well, look, Grant, a lot of people who don't know Grant, and if, if you've had a chance to spend some time with him, he will do anything for you. You just had David Forst on, on, on your show just before me. I never forget, I came to Oakland. I had a bunch of these Australian kids in the middle of the summer a couple of years ago. I have myself and another Australian, Trent Olsen, played in the big leagues. We bring teams over, young kids over. And so we're there, and David Forst comes up to me, and we're, we're talking. He goes, now, I feel like I know you. I said, Why is that? He said, because when you got DFA'd from the Houston Astros, was in my office every day saying, sign him, sign him, sign him. That's the kind of person he is. He just, he's, you know, he's very, he's a loyal friend of mine and, and he was pushing so hard. And I remember him telling me, he's like, hey man, I'm going to get you over with the Oakland days. I said, dude, it's okay. And I'm thinking, okay, how much is he, was he shooting a text message off to someone? But apparently hearing that from David, he was bugging him and banging down his door. And that's just goes to show what kind of person Grant is. Yeah, he was a special guy, and he was a uh, great closer for the A's. Ryan, thank you so much for the time. Have a good broadcast tonight. Be safe, and uh, hopefully we'll get this thing in, and we'll talk to you again. Sounds good. Th appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot. Ryan Roland Smith from the Seattle Mariners. He played with the Mariners from 07 to 2010 and then uh, popped back with the uh, D-backs in 2014. Good friend of our friend of the program. Liam Hendricks. The reason why I wanted Ryan is because I listened to him on a spring training broadcast, I think it was, and he was awesome breaking down the game and just talking about it. I, I enjoy his work. He has an Australian accent, and he and a lot of people like listening to the accent, so that's great. So I'm, I did it selfishly for myself and for the listeners because of the accent. And the guy does under, he gets the game and he understands. It. He breaks it down well, and that's why, you know, he does. That's why he's on TV covering the Mariners. And yeah, they're not very good right now. You know, maybe, Whoa! What? 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 Uh, they are three and four, which is equivalent to what being nine and what nine and twelve. So, all I'm saying is this: we can't look at anybody else at three and three. You want to say it's an early? It's early. It ain't early. I ain't buying that. A's are three and three. You're five hundred as the Hall of Famer. Bill Parcells would say, you are what your record says you are. And the A's, what kind of bothers me, 
is the A's got a gift. They got to play at home. Four against the Angels, two against the Rockies, didn't have to go on the road. You heard David Forrest. They had to have a meeting in the parking lot about traveling. The A's didn't have to do that out of the gate. So if you want to say it's early, that's fine. I'm not. They got a gift. They got to play all these games at home, and they went three and three. I don't care how good the – I'm not looking at anybody else. I don't care about the Angels. I don't care about the Rockies. You went three and three, and you got a gift of playing the first games at home. Rockies had to go to Texas, hot spot. Rockies had to go to California, hot spot. Uh, Is there any other state that has more cases than we do in California? Am Uh, I wrong on that? I I haven't looked lately. Uh, By the way, quickly, Kendall Graveman just texted me. He's going to be calling us shortly. But I, I would say Florida maybe. Maybe no, Florida? No, 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 no. We got we're we're the leader in the clubhouse. Okay, yes. And they went, they went to Texas, they went to California, and they're four and one. They showed toughness. I mean, do you want me to bring up some numbers for this? It's early crowd. The A's haven't been hit. Do we have Kendall Graveman? How are you? I'm good, guys. How are y'all? It's been a while. How's life treating you up there in the Pacific Northwest? It's great. Uh, getting the season on the road and finally being back um, at home for our first series is is nice. The weather's been perfect ever since we get out here, so no complaints over this way. For you as a player, what has it been like to travel? Exciting. <laughs> I've stayed in one place for almost two years. You know, I was in Arizona, so... Um, I mean, for me on my end, it, it's been a blast. Uh, travel's been good. Travel's been safe for us. And, uh, we've done a good job on this end of protocol and everything, the, the environment right now that we're in. So I think our team's done a great job having leaders stand up and not to say other teams haven't, but Hey, let's play ball and let's be smart about what we're doing and let's see how many games we can get in this year. And it all starts with how safe we can be. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because it really is about you guys. It's about staying to protocol. It's about staying safe. And the only way this thing's going to go, if you guys all buy in. For sure. And that's where leadership stands up and and says, hey, this is what we're about this year. This is what we're dealing with. This is the hand we're dealt. Let's make the most of it. And, you know, we've done a good job over here in Seattle and hopefully every other team has of not complaining and, and, and griping because of some of the changes that are being made. And, I mean, heck, the first series we went on, the, the food was a little messed up in the clubhouse just because of the environment that we're in. But, I mean, there's, there wasn't much complaining. We dealt with it. Um, so I think that those little things, there's going to be hiccups along the way. So uh, for me and, and our team, uh, we've got some great leaders over here, Seeger and D Gordon and some of the guys that uh, we've just been watching and hopefully myself follow along the the younger guys who stepped on board and just said, hey, this is what we're going to do. You know, one thing watching you with the Oakland Athletics, just, you know, love the two-seamer and the sink, but now we're getting all these reports about how hard you're throwing after Tommy John surgery. What's going on with your velocity? Yeah, man, I'm I'm blessed to be in the situation I'm in, to be able to pitch again after coming off of surgery. Uh, Actually, yesterday was the two-year mark of surgery, so 
man, I, and my last start, it was 808 days from the last time I stepped on the mound, which is, was it in an Oakland A uniform before my last start uh, against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium, ended up getting a win, and I thought I threw the ball well, and then unfortunately was, was, was injured after that, but there's been a ton of work. Um, I started with the A's after my surgery, um, the clubhouse staff, the, the training staff that was in Arizona, those guys that a lot of people don't even know, they're so anonymous and they did a great job uh, helping uh, rehabilitate me and get me back where I am. But then the Cubs, hats off to them for um, picking me up for a year. I was blessed to be in that situation and learn and grow and strengthen over there. And then this opportunity came about. So there's so many people that I need to thank, uh, thank and to get me back to this point and healthy. And it's a lot of anonymous days. You just feel like no one's paying attention, which they're not, and to be expected. But just to put your head down each day, work, and know that the process is going to be 18 months to 24 months. And, man, it's a, it was just such a good feeling to get back out there. Obviously, the numbers didn't show what I wanted to, but um, there was an accomplishment in my mind to get back on a big league mound. You know, I'm so glad you bring that up, the timeline, because we, we kind of got to a point in the media where we're like, Oh, you have Tommy John, you're back in 12 months. And the reality yeah. is it's not – and a guy you know well, we've talked about uh, him multiple times and and his setbacks, Chris Bassett. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. Chris, it took a while, and, and for yourself. So it's like for, for us to act like, oh, you go under the knife and you're, you'll be back in 12 months, that's not really the case. It takes time to come back from Tommy John surgery. Yeah, and it's not very fair for anybody in that scenario to be put like, oh, he should be good after 12 months. It's really a, I mean, I would say 18 to 24 months till you feel back yourself. Now, you can pitch and you're healthy, but, man, there's still days. And bringing up Chris Bassett, one of a good friend, good friend of mine, and I told him yesterday, I told him I was thankful after my start. I said, thank you for helping me um, get through some of the tough days because there'd be days where I would be man is it torn again am I hurt again it doesn't feel right and I would call Chris and I would say hey did you deal with this he was like yeah and he would honestly talk me out of some of the thoughts I was having and I'm just thankful that he did that to me and I hope I can be an encouragement to others the way he encouraged me throughout the process because it's a lonely process and the days are longer when you're rehabbing than when you're playing and um, it just, uh, you need that support staff around you to help you get through because from a fan, fan perspective, it's, Hey, yeah, he'll be back in a year, but it, it's a little bit more than that. It goes a little deeper. What was it like? And I know I've talked to Chris about this, but what was it like the minute you went, I'm throwing the ball, I'm healthy and I can trust it. I tell you what, I, I had a start. Um, it was when it, in the Arizona Rookie Ball League when I was with the Cubs. And it might have even been a live VP, uh, some situation where I was actually facing hitters for the first time and the ball was coming out well. And, man, I sat down on the bench and I, I just cried. And I've talked to a lot of people and it's like a lot of people have that same reaction, that same emotion. And even right now, I, I go back to that. I'm, I can picture it sitting there and just – it's a – man, it's a, a feeling that – because we played the game for so long that when it gets taken away, you want to continue to feel well. But when it finally happens and your mind switches over to, hey, now I'm healthy, I'm thankful that I'm healthy, it's a big, big um, encouragement to yourself. It's, uh, 
kind of a weight lifted off your back, um, for lack of better terms. You know, we're not supposed to root for you guys, but uh, obviously, uh, as an Oakland A, you're always going to be an Oakland A, and we we root for you. I, I remember when you got engaged. <laughs> I mean, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's how, the, how life works. But you know, we're always going to root for you and pull for you. And I I'm so happy that you're in this frame of mind because I know just how tough it is to come once you go under the knife. It, it, it's a whole different story. Well, guys, I, I can't speak highly enough of the A's organization and what they did for me and my career. And there's so many people to thank from Bo Mel to David Torres to the whole front office and um, training staff over there, Nick Paparesta when he was there and our ways there and when I was there. And it's just one of those situations where you, you feel a bond, a connection, because they let me pitch through some tough times, some good times. I, I had good and bad days over there, but I grew a lot as a person and I'm so thankful for what they did in, in trusting me with the ball every five days. And that's something that I don't take lightly. And I, I mean that sincerely, um, the thankfulness that I've got for that organization. And, and I wish the best, too. Obviously, I, I'm over here now and I want to pitch and compete. And, and that's a different story when we step between the lines. But from the outside looking in, um, what a, an outstanding organization to be involved with and uh, how they treated me. Hey, good luck to you. Be safe. And, you know, we're always going to be pulling for you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate y'all. God bless you. Take, take care. All right. See you. You know, there's um, there's people that you cover. I think that's kind of – what's the best way to put it? Um, you start rooting for people versus teams. And I can tell you, Kendall Graveman is a really fine young man. And I'll never forget – at one of our golf tournaments, I think, what, God, what country club was that at? I was speaking. She, They just got engaged with his uh, fiance now wife. And she was beaming, and it was so cute. And um, Kendall's really a good guy. So you root for people. You know, it's like, I'll never forget, Kurt Suzuki. And I've done a bazillion interviews with Kurt Suzuki. And... This was back when I didn't have the commander and I had to book my own guest. And I went through the twins to get Kurt Suzuki. And Kurt was out in right field working out. He wasn't playing in the game. And I just waited in the visiting dugout and he came over. He's like, Tony, how are you? Well, he never did that as a player. But now he's not with us anymore. So it's like, Tony. And I did an interview with him. Not only did I do the interview with Kurt Suzuki, I then talked to him for like another 10 minutes, and next thing you know, my phone starts ringing. Where are you? I was late for the pregame show. Back when we were on the other station, I'm running to the elevator. I'm late for the pre because Kurt Suzuki, and I just started talking about, you know, his kids and my kids because my kids had this uh, Kurt Suzuki jersey that, you know, all the giveaways I always bring home. And I remember one night I, I tweeted my daughter. She was laying on her stomach and it had, she had the jersey on, said Suzuki, and I tweeted it out. And, and Kurt retweeted it. So we were talking about that. And, you know, because he's, you know, a few years ago, his kids were now, we're young. Uh, all of our kids are not young anymore. But uh, you get to know these guys. You get to watch them grow as people. And they leave and sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't. But then you, you're able to have like an interview with them. And normally 
you know, with like Kendall, we would have done this like in the dugout or, and we've had a lot of good people go through this organization. Not a whole lot of bad guys. There have been some bad guys. And I think if we had to like, if we had to uh, throw it out there to the fan base and said, name the top three bad guys, I guarantee you get two of them right out of the gate. I'm thinking of uh, two of them right now, and they're more recent guys. I wonder if you're thinking recent this. guys, uh, just bad guys. Like, do we name literally. drop them or no? They're no longer at the organization. No, no. <laughs> they are bad guys. Like, they did stuff. You, you got to remember when you're around the Oakland A's, you got guys like Steve Vucinich who have been here since day one. You have people have been here since the 60s. I don't know. Where were you in the 60s, Commander? Let's see. My dad was born in 1961, so I wasn't around for about, I don't know, 27 years later. You weren't even around in the 60s. I was not around in the 60s. Uncle Townie didn't show up till 1972, which is always funny when there's like the, the older Ace fans go, Townie, that era was great. Uh, yeah, I I really wasn't watching Vita Blue in 1971 when I wasn't alive. Or uh, my man Ray Fossey in 73 and 74 when he won the World Series. And I was a I was in diapers. So, um, yeah, I didn't get to see the greatness of the A's in the 70s. I, I'm always honest with people. It's really like 79, 80. Is that that? And it was a big time for your uh, Pittsburgh Pirates and Steelers, Commander, when I... I remember the Pirates playing the Orioles. My first Super Bowl, I remember, was Steelers-Rams. That would be Terry Bradshaw against Vince Ferragamo. That's a, what, a, what, a, what a matchup. <laughs> Where was that? Was that in like the Rose Bowl or something like that? And then my first Super Bowl party ever, I'm a little kid. It was Raiders-Eagles. Jaws. Right? Jaws is a quarterback for the Eagles, right? I made Jim Plunkett up against Ron Jaworski, the Polish rifle. Uh, that's that's a good, that's actually not a bad match of Super Bowl quarterbacks. We've seen some really bad ones over the last uh, – Oh, that was a good one. What was the one in 2000? Uh, Kerry Collins versus Trent Dilfer. Uh, that was Ugh. a I – mean, Dilfer won the Super Bowl too, but – I mean, Kerry Collins, uh, pride of Penn State, had a nice little run there with the Giants, but boy, uh, you're right though about the '79 Pirates. That's a my, my, my man Bill Bill Romanowski broke his jaw. <laughs> if you remember back, you, you mentioned the Pirates in '79. That's when people like I, I hear people say, you know, I went back and watched. You know, Willie Mays was an incredible player. It's a guy that's like maybe in his '50s. You know, I watched Willie Mays play. Well, he was great. You know, Jackie Robinson was a great player. Um, Joe DiMaggio, the hit streak, that was that was a great time for baseball. I'm like, you weren't even alive then, man. What are you talking about? So I know what you mean when people are asking about eras, because I, I know some people, we both know some people that are like that. They lie. They literally lie about, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you know you're talking about, you, you talk about the Big Red Machine. Big Red, that's 75, 76. I was three years old. Do you think I was watching the Big Red Machine? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's There's like. There's no chance. That's like when people ask me, like, what do you think of the, you know, what did you think of the early 90s Pirates? I'm like, I was like four years old. Now, if you want to ask me about the early 2000s Pirates, they were the biggest laughing stock in professional sports. I know all about, all about that. But, yeah, they, they, I'm not going to lie about it. I'll be honest with people say I wasn't even around then. When people go, hey, what do you think of Barry Bonds? 
I was four years old when he left. I don't, I don't have an opinion on that whole situation. So I'm glad you're honest with people because I do the same thing. Yeah, because it's like, like even like when we when we were when we were going back and talking about the '81 season because there was labor strife and it was a shortened season. I mean, I kind of I remember the Dodgers and the Yankees World Series, but I don't really remember the season, right? Like Bill, Billy Martin in the eight. What? I'm a little kid. I, I like I'm into like GI Joe. I'm not into Ricky Henderson stealing bases. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, uh, by the way, who was the head coach of that Eagles team that lost to the Raiders? I want to say it was in New Orleans. I want to say that'd be the – later on, he won a Super Bowl. That'd that be is great, correct. That'd be the great native of Calistoga, or that's where he lives now, and San Jose State, the great Richard Vermeil. You know him as Dick Vermeil. What's the coach then? You name me another college that has more Super Bowl wins for head coaches, I will lay out and let you – you tell me, San Jose State, <laughs> Who has more guys that graduated with degrees from San Jose State that has Lombardi trophies as head coaches in the NFL? I, I will sit back and let you tell me who's got more than my university. Where'd Belichick go to school at? Because he has six alone. <laughs> but you're right. San Jose State for football, they've produced a lot of good quality, not good, great coaches, and they have the they have the championships to prove it. I, I'm not discounting that at all. We've seen some of the a players. A lot of people don't know that Bill Walsh, not only did Bill Walsh play football, but also graduated from San Jose State. You people think he's a Stanford guy. No. He went to San Jose State. So that's three with him and one with Dick Vermeil. We got four. Then I thought about got Chuck Noll. Uh, not Chuck. Was it Chuck Noll? Yeah, Chuck, the Sealer coach? Yeah, he's got four. Belichick has six. So, yeah, I'm, I'm wrong on that. Well, Belichick went to Wesleyan. So I don't think there's going to be any other college coaches Ooh. that went to Wesleyan. It's in Connecticut. Who? It's a. It's where if you. I don't know if you ever watched the show How I Met Your Mother, but the main characters all went to college at Wesleyan University. So where? It's in somewhere in Connecticut. Wesleyan. It's like W E S. I closed. Never it. heard of it. And Chuck. I'll see where Chuck Knoll went to college. Since like the '60s, the Steelers have had three coaches: Chuck Knoll, <laughs> uh, Bill Cower, and Mike Tomlin, and they've all won Super Bowls. Uh, Chuck Knoll went to the University of Dayton, the Flyers. Uh, yeah, he's a Flyer. That's a that that's uh that's John Gruden's. Didn't Gruden go there? That's a great clue. Let's let's find out. And I think uh, who else went there? Who else went to Dayton? Um, what's his name? Who used to be on ESPN Sports Center? Gruden did go Dan to Dayton. Patrick. Didn't Dan Patrick go to Dayton? How do you know all this? I don't know. See, I see. If I knew, if I knew the stock market like I know sports, I'd be rich and I wouldn't even be doing this. Drives yeah, he, me nuts. He went to Dayton too. It looks like Gruden went to Dayton, right? Patrick so, went to yeah. Dayton. Who else yeah. went to Dayton? Uh, I I believe um, what's his name? Uh, uh, David Letterman went to Dayton. Because that doesn't now, surprise if I pull me. That off. If I pull that off, fact check me on that. I think David Letterman went to Dayton. Look, we only fact check one person on this show, and that's Matt Chapman. Uh, he went well, to he Ball right. State. Ball State. It's still, right. it's where's that? It? It's in oh, it's in Indiana. That's right. Okay, well, close enough. It's three out of four ain't bad. It's mid major. I'm not a mid major guy. As, as I try to bring us back on track, as a as a uh, was that a, that's an old radio term. 
Kendall, I, I, I sent this over to you. Kendall Graven, his two fastest pitches this year, 97.6. He struck out Jose Altuve looking on that pitch. And then he struck, and then his other one, he struck out George Springer swinging at 97 miles an hour. Now, I watched Kendall Graven pitch for the A's when he got traded here from Toronto. He was not throwing uh, two 97. Two-time opening day starter for the A's, Kendall Graveman. He was not throwing 97, 98 back then. So Tommy John, if he, if he, you know, he had a rough start against he started against Houston, so like, it makes sense. But I'm pulling for him because coming back from Tommy John, throwing that hard, that's great, and I want to see him. But did you see the some of the comments that uh, – because I because I thought of it because of Houston, the comments that like Oral Hershiser and Joe Davis were making about the Astros and the Dodgers and all the stuff that happened with the there was one where like Altuve struck out looking and and Oral was like, "There's a difference between uh what um he said something that was like along the lines of it's easier when you don't know what's when uh, when you don't know what's coming, something like that." And then wow. and then he they said something yesterday whenever uh, Ross Stripling hit Starling Marte in the head on accident. And Marte was fine. He goes, oh, just just in. Uh, Ross Stripling's been suspended for 100 games, but he's going to appeal because of the whole Joe Kelly thing. So the Dodgers I mean, are making – <laughs> I, I, You know, our, our guy Kevin Franzen, great San Jose State Spartan, former big leaguer and now broadcaster for the Philadelphia Phillies, I loved his reply. I retweeted it when – Ken Rosenthal put out there that Joe Kelly was suspended and our guy Franny put out and yet not one Astro was suspended. So now that you're actually policing the game that's been going on forever, they're the victim. It's hard to believe. And you know, I've gone after this so many times, but it is really hard to believe that the Astros are now the victim. They literally cheated for years. Not one, but years. They all got to keep their rings. They all got to keep all the money they made, the millions of dollars they made cheating. They got to keep everything. And now, if you go after them for it, you're the bad guy. And you're going to get punished. I don't even know how to explain that. Literally, they cheated. They were caught cheating. They weren't punished. Well, well, the owner got fined $5 million. Jim Crane is a bazillionaire. And you know how much money the Astros have made in the last three years being in the playoffs? Three years, a World Series, multiple World Series. You know how much money you make when you're in the postseason like that? Millions. So what's $5 million? That's like tip money. That's falling out of Jim Crane's pocket, $5 million. I know I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. Jim Crane played in the AT&T this year down at Pebble Beach. Went on a local radio station. I know the people who work for that radio station. And I'm just going to keep it at that. And I'm just going to say this. That when his headset came off the interview, he was very cavalier about what happened and said other teams are doing it and they're not getting called out. 
a local sports station, people I know, Jim Crane said that after this interview down at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. So you think he's really, so he stood up in what, he sat down at that press conference. And, oh, we're so sorry. He ain't sorry. He wrote the $5 million check because it's nothing. And they get to keep everything. And now they're the victim. Think about that. They're literally the worst cheat. I mean, are they worse than the Patriots? I mean, the Patriots, you still got to play the game, right? You still got to block. You still got to tackle. You still got I me. Mean, football's football. And you don't know 100% what the other team's calling. You may have an idea by formation, but you have no idea. You could think it's a pass, and then they audible. I mean, there's audibles. The Rams called audibles. So if they call an audible, you may not know the play. You think you have a good idea, but you don't know. And still, even if you know the play in football, it's blocked. I'll ne- I worked in the NFL for years, and I will tell you that no matter what, the essentials are still blocking and tackling, and who's tougher. So I could know the play in football. I mean, Vince Lombardi and the Green Bay Packers ran a sweep, and everybody knew they were going to run a sweep. Everybody knew it was either going right or left, and they're going to run a power sweep. Can you stop it? There are times in a football game where a team is up and they're like, we're going to run the football and run the clock out. What are you going to do about it? You know the run's coming. You can stack the box. You can, but we're better than you are and we're going to run it down your throat and there's nothing you can do about it. When you, when Randy Moss goes out right, you know I'm throwing it deep to him. The safety knows it. The corner knows it. The whole defense shifts. And I'm throwing it up to Randy Moss. What are you going to do about it? Well, there's nothing you can do about it because he's Randy Moss. He's going to jump over your guys and catch it and score touchdowns, if not first downs. You know that's going to happen. But in baseball, I mean, the hardest thing to do is hit this round object with this, this bat. You don't realize how much of the bat actually touches the ball. That's what makes it by science so tough to do. And oh, by the way, this ball is moving and spinning and dropping and doing all these things that pitchers can do with baseballs. That's why they say the toughest thing to do is to hit a baseball. But if I now know what's coming, I mean, how many times did you see Alex Bregman? And this is the thing where they were so stupid. They didn't even fake it. Like if I know a breaking ball is coming, Bregman wouldn't even move. And as a human being, how do you not flinch a little or some kind of movement? He just didn't move because he knew a breaking ball was coming. He wasn't swinging. They were really bad actors. If it was me and I knew it was coming, I would at least faked it. Like kind of kind of gave like a little offering to it. Oh, it's breaking ball. Nope. Bregman wouldn't even move. He just sat there and waited for your fastball. They're cheaters. They won 60 games at home. 60. There's only 82 games at home. They won 60. Detroit didn't even win 50 games all year. (laughs) They won 60 games at home and got away with it. 
It's unbelievable. And now Joe Kelly's the bad guy. He didn't even hit anybody. Did the ball out of his hand hit an Astros player? Uh, yes or no? Uh, confirmed it did not hit anyone. So he didn't actually hit anybody and he got suspended. I got to be honest with you. This is unbelievable. They're the victims, and they're now being protected. I get intent. But if I don't actually commit the crime, how do I get charged? You can say intent all you want. They looked at his prior history because apparently I guess it happened in 2018 when he was with the Red Sox. I mean, if you want to see how erratic Joe Kelly is as a thrower, just watch the video from the offseason where he broke a window in his house trying to hit a target that he had hanging up in a net. He breaks a window if in his I, house. If I'm him, if I'm him, I'm appealing. Well, he is. And if I, he what? He's supposed to appeal, yeah. And if I lose, I'm suing. I, I, I would be – if this was me, I'd be irate. Now, obviously, him uh, yelling at Correa and calling him names doesn't look good. But whatever, I didn't hit anybody. Did the ball hit anybody? Nope. Okay, you're suspending me for eight games in a in a in a sixty game season. What's that the equivalent? Uh, I think it was uh, equivalent during a regular season game or like a normal season. It was like twenty, I think twenty one or twenty two games. I'm gonna tell you right now because they're saying everything is two point seven, right? Two point seven times eight equals. 21.6. So we'll round up. You're suspending him for 22 games? Has anyone ever, is there any pitcher in the history of baseball, non-drug related, non-PED or non-street drug related, been suspended for 22 games? Um, yes, but it's for the domestic violence things. Like, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But other but like perform on the field things, not that I can remember. No, especially for throwing the ball at someone. I mean, even Dave Roberts got a game. I mean, he served it already. Uh, your your good friend Bob Guerin filled in as the manager that night. Uh, oh, Bobby Guerin. So he's one and zero. He's back. He's he's going to get a job next year now since he's one and zero or whatever the next two years from now. Uh, the, the quote from Oro, by the way, was uh, guessing is nowhere than uh, is harder than knowing. Uh, so that's what his, that's what he said after Altuve struck out, and then this came out the other day too. It was in the Athletic. Our good friend Evan Drellick, uh broke the story. Uh, Major League Baseball and the Players Association have agreed that players who steal signs electronically can be suspended without pay or service time. That was according to him in the Athletic. There was a whole article, so that was something that came out the other day. So you suspend Joe Kelly for eight games, and then now you're going to say, "Oh yeah, you can get. We're going to suspend players." for sign stealing after the ball was dropped on the Astros situation when they stole signs and won a World Series title. Uh, I get where the Dodgers come from. I can see – I actually see both sides of it. I think Mad Dog was going off about it. Like he was saying the Dodgers need to let it go now. But I also see where – no, you can't because no one – the season just started and now teams are finally starting to to see, well, you know, go after the Astros. Like, yeah, Seattle wasn't going to go after them. They didn't steal a World Series from Seattle. No offense to Seattle fans, the Mariner fans, but – you weren't playing for a World Series title in 17, uh, 18, and, well, definitely not last year. So Jeff Passan has put out an article on ESPN about how Rob Manfred told MLB Players Association Executive Director Tony Clark 
that if the sport doesn't do a better job of managing the coronavirus, it could shut down for the season. So the Marlins have had 21 members. See, this is the thing that gets 21 members, not 21 players, 21 members of the organization test positive, and now two have tested positive from the St. Louis Cardinals. By the way, you realize those numbers are extremely low. If you take the amount of people in Major League Baseball and you're telling me now 23 people have tested positive, what's that rate versus all of everybody in baseball? And then the question I always have, and we've talked about it here, is what are the symptoms? Now, obviously, we need to protect older people, but what are the symptoms? Because the majority of people that test positive that are in their 20s are asymptomatic. Our own Jesus Lazardo tested positive. By the way, he's starting on Tuesday. He's pitched twice now. But for some reason, it's it's now all about testing. They tell you someone tests positive, but then that's where the story ends. Should that be where the story ends? I I I okay. Test a positive. Now what? Now keep keep filling me in on the story. A bunch of these Marlins tested positive. The last time they were on the field, they scored eleven runs. When they scored 11 runs and beat the Phillies, I think it was 11 to 6, was anybody worried about these young guys' health? Like they were in, in, in grave danger? That answer's no. And now we're not even getting the full story. Like they don't even want to tell you that these guys were at the hotel bar. Why were they at the hotel bar? So if they don't go to the hotel bar, odds are they don't attract the virus. Odds are we don't have all these cases with the Marlins, and then now we'd have two people with the Phillies. Who, I mean, with the St. Louis Cardinals. And the two people with the Phillies, they're not even players. They're not even in the home clubhouse. We need the full story. I want the full story. I'm sorry, but that's just how I was raised as a journalist. I need the full story. We're not getting a full story. We're just getting, oh, Tessa positive. Who? Who, what, where, why, how? Give me the story. I need the full story. Just don't tell me someone tested positive. Who are they? How, how old are they? What's the, what, what's the symptoms? Jesus Lazardo is our own Tyler Glass now. We've seen guys have tested positive. You sit them out. I don't know how they treat them, but they do. And then they come back and they're fine. Like, Aroldis Chapman got cleared to come back today. He did the two negatives, and he's back with the Yankees. Juan Soto, is, he's, what, 21? He, I mean, he was going through a whole thing where he kept testing negative, but he couldn't get two back-to-back. But he was cleared by the Nationals. He's just waiting for the District of Columbia to allow him to play. So there, so, you, but, so you're seeing some of these guys like that. Like, Soto's young. By the way, I'm not a political person. I'm just going to admit it. That's not my game. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm, not a, I'm not a politics guy. Once again, if I knew sports, like I knew the the stock market, I'd be rich. But I'm not a political guy. But people are using this as a political football. There's no question. There is no question. We're in an election year. That's how it works, supposedly, to, for the political people. I'm a sports guy. But as someone who has a degree in journalism, 
and was taught by some really good instructor, uh, instructors and, and professors about how to do your job. By the way, I'll take me over any of these guys. Ken Rosenthal, all of our friends of the program, I diagnosed this far before they did. When I said, this is an outlier, something went on. Investigate it. Question them. Why do you have it? How did you contract it? Well, the first stories were, oh, my God, baseball needs to shut down. The Marlins. What they didn't tell you in those original stories? Yeah, these guys were hanging out at the hotel bar. Will you give me that? Cody, I never want to take credit for anything. But as a journalist, I am, and I saw this immediately, right or wrong. Did I say something's wrong here and we're not getting the full story? A great host once told me that a good host always brings it back to themselves. Thank you. yeah, you're right. You brought it up the other day. We, t- You and I talked about it a few times since then. You you said that, and then it came out today. Scott Miller, who was on with us in the 3 o'clock hour, mentioned, you know, he had had the tweets. His Twitter's at ScottMillerBBL on Twitter, if you want to look it up. He mentioned the different stuff, and he mentioned hotel bar in there, and then people were talking about why was the bar open. I, it, and it, right now, they, they are the outlier. I know. They're total that, outlier. I, it, it drives me nuts. And And – we had people, we had guys that I guess are considered professional who work here in the Bay Area. Why is baseball even being played? We told you so. And I'm like, you're a moron. There's so many morons. And the national guys all are doing this. And, and we love Buster Olney, but he's been this biggest doom and gloom guy uh, uh, of all. Why aren't you investigating how it happened? You're writing. You're saying there's a problem. Wait, where's the problem? I, there a problem with the ace? Is there a problem with the Rockies? We just saw them play, and they're getting tested basically every day. Is there a problem with the Angels that we just saw? You can see the Mariners tonight. Is there a problem? Nope. Investigate. Why are so many Marlins getting it? And it's just not players. It's other people. Because the guys went down to the hotel bar. That's not protocol. If you take care of protocol... The only way you're going to get COVID is if you're just unlucky. And that was my whole point. Are they unlucky or did they do something wrong? I was betting they did something wrong. What happened? They did something wrong. Everybody's being negative. We're all dealing with this. I got to go to the grocery store. I got to go to Costco. I gotta, I'm wearing a mask. You think they were wearing a mask while they were drinking down at the hotel bar? Stop telling me there's COVID all through Major League. There's not. Every single NBA guy tested negative. How many people do they test? It was thousands, right? Yeah, they're they're fine. And a thing, and I saw this earlier on Twitter. I think it was uh, Ted Ramey said it. He mentioned how everyone's talking about the NBA and how the, how they're doing well in the bubble. The MLS has been playing in Orlando since the beginning of July, and they're doing just fine too. They had a lot of stuff coming into it where like Nashville FC didn't play there. They opted out of playing because they had a bunch of people test positive prior to that. But since they've been in the bubble, I think it's been successful for the MLS as well. And now you see hockey playing in Canada and Edmonton and Toronto. Those are two different, completely different cities when it comes to Toronto's a, you know, metroplex where uh, Edmonton's in the middle of nowhere. But they're, they're, you don't see anything, hear anything about the NHL either. So it, the, the Marlins clearly did something wrong. Ba- everyone in baseball's mad at them, and I don't blame them because they – Clearly did something egregious and wrong, and and now it's it's going it's hurting the game completely because now everyone's worried it's going to start happening everywhere else. 
Is it weird? Is it me? But it just seems people are rooting for. It's like they're. they're it's like they they want it to go bad. They want a shutdown. They want, and it's people not. I don't think it's people directly in the game. I think it's people outside of the game who they want to go. I told you so. Shut down. Shut. It's like it's almost like people are rooting for it, and that's what we see. And that's why it's like I almost want to. I want to delete my Twitter account because it's amazing the trolls that are out there. But it just seems like people are rooting for bad. This might be the worst time in the history of uh, social media to be on social media. Twitter, I don't have Facebook. I haven't had Facebook for almost two years, so I don't know what goes on on Facebook. But <laughs> I haven't been. So, I can't even tell you the last time. I, you know my kids? So I have 14. Like, Facebook has bought another properties, and that's how they're going to survive. Instagram. It's one. But I got to tell you, like my kids, 14-year-olds, they think Facebook's for old people. It kind of is. I mean, think about that. Like. If you're not on TikTok, you got you, you. You're not attracting my kids at four. I have tw- I've, I have 14 year old twin daughters. They don't do Facebook. They don't do Instagram. Instagram's going to be old soon. How we live in this time, it, it, it's crazy. Because they're the next. You know that they're 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 essentially a few years away from actually being consumers. And then before you know it, they're going to be young adults. They're not going to do Facebook, Instagram. What's it? Instagram. That's what old people use. Now, if you call it the gram, kids might understand it more. Thank you, Jim Rome. But even like, like Jim Rome, no one even even talks. He was so big. Now no one even Jim Rome. Who's Jim Rome? It's great lettuce right there. Rock that guy. Rack him. Those, that's it. It, it, everything is happening it, like faster than ever before. Like, what's your MySpace? You still got MySpace? Um, I'm 31 years old. MySpace, I think, technically went out the window about 15 years ago. <laughs> is it even still up? I think it's still there. I think like it's mainly used for music now. I want to say because I, I haven't used it since high school. Because that right when MySpace was big, that's when Facebook came out. Back then, it was the Facebook, and then you dropped the the to just Facebook. And then Facebook happened, and then I got on Twitter, and I, I was on Twitter, and then it took me like three years to finally start using Twitter more. And then I have Instagram, and, you know, kids have Snapchat, and uh, or what, what Bill Belichick calls it, Snapface. And there's all the – I don't use TikTok. I I, mean, I don't ha- I don't have a TikTok account. I've used it to look, watch different videos because that's funny. And that's like the new wave of what Gen Z and whatever the next gen's called – they're using, but for millennials like yourself and I, you're right. Facebook, like my mom will call me, Hey, did you see what happened on Facebook? I'm like, you understand that I don't have Facebook, right? Like I don't live on Facebook like you guys do. Thank God my dad doesn't have it. He's going to be 60. He doesn't even have, he doesn't even know how to use a computer. So we're good there. I'll, I'll tell you who, what's going to stand the test of time is YouTube. Oh, absolutely. YouTube, yeah. YouTube is not, I mean, cause that's, I, you have to look at it through your kids, right? You have to say, okay, what do they care about? Because they're the future. YouTube is not going away. Facebook, bye-bye. I, Instagram, I mean, they're not, they're, they're finding it. Because Instagram is just people putting pictures of themselves up and stuff like that. 
Like I'm on Instagram, but I don't ever, I've never posted. I, you know what I do on Instagram? I follow barbecue people. You're but really what is, Instagram is basically a lot of beautiful young women putting pictures of themselves, right? That's why people, for the most part, are on Instagram. Well, I mean, for me, I follow all the barbecue guys because they do have some great recipes and they tell you, you know, how they do their ribs or how they do brisket or how they do. But for the most part, that's why I think TikTok has become you perform now. It's the dances, it's all the weird stuff my kids are doing. Um, by the way, the government's looking to ban TikTok, which is going to be interesting. But um, yeah, the whole TikTok is going to take over Instagram, and Instagram will be for like my kids will be old. It's crazy. Yeah, the gram. Uh, are you ready? To, are you ready for me to call Kuiper? The great G Kype. I want to know when they're going. When are they going to put my cut out on television? I haven't even seen mine in the Coliseum yet. It's been there for. I, I am very upset by this. I don't know if he's out playing golf with Dennis Eckersley. We have no idea what he's doing. Glenn, how are you? What do you mean? I'm getting ready for a ball game, man. You ready to go? I mean, let's face it. I mean, we only have 54 games left. Absolutely. I got my lineup card filled out. I'm at the Coliseum doing a game from Seattle. What board do you want? Come on. I'm I'm ready. You know, Got to win tonight because you got a two-game losing streak, and we know 2.7 games for each game. <laughs> That's right. Two-game losing streaks like a five-game losing streak, right? Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, I mean, it's, I mean, it really is crazy about getting off to a hot start. You look at some of these teams and what an advantage they have. Yeah, and you know, I think I just had, I got a feeling that the A's are going to have a good weekend. You know, they did not play great against the Rockies. They're not hitting. And this is, you know, too good of a lineup to not hit for a real long period of time. So uh, Mariners actually have played pretty well, but um, I, I could see the A's kind of starting to swing it a little bit this weekend. It's a four-game series, so you got a shot to, to get yourself right. And then you come home and you got a, a, another homestand. So um, I, I got a good feeling about this weekend that they're going to get themselves rolling a little bit. I got to tell you, I'm like, Mass respect for the Rockies. I mean, you go on the road for two series, two hot spots in Texas and California, and you come out of that four and one uh, as they're leaving the Coliseum. I'm going mass respect. Yeah, you know what? And and the Rockies are hard to figure out. You know, they were in the playoffs in 17 and 18, and then last year they just completely fell apart. But you look at their team, and they're pretty good. And they pitched really well. They pitched well. the whole first week of the season. So if they do that at all, um, you know, they got a shot. And, and, you know, Ray and I in Dallas talked about it too, Tony, is is in the National League West where, you know, clearly the Dodgers are, are, are the, the, the premier team in that division, right? But it doesn't matter. You just got to play for second place, right? Second place gets you in the postseason in a three-game series. Um you know, so and it's it's that way, obviously, in 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 every division. But the National League West just you know kind of has a team that's to me head and shoulders above everybody else in the Dodgers. But hey, second place, man, and you're going to the big dance, right? Yeah, I mean, I was you know last night watching the Padres, and I'm thinking, man, Rockies, Padres, yeah, they all got it. I mean, like, I, I if it's 162 games, there's no chance these guys are beating the Dodgers. But in 60 games and now down to 54 games, 
I mean, why not the yeah, Rockies for the Padres? Yeah, no, you you may be right. And and I watched a little of the Padres too. Though they got a really good lineup. They're athletic. You know, they play with. Uh, you know, they run around a little bit. Um, if that young pitching can hold up, you know, for a couple months, I think I, I think the the Padres may have arrived. Uh, I think they're going to be good for a while. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Again, you, you may be right. I mean, if the, if the Dodgers scuffle a little bit, you know, and, and and they're banged up pitching wise, who knows? Absolutely, that's what makes this season, you know, kind of interesting and and, and kind of strange and fun in, in a in a different kind of way. You know, now we're going to start seeing guys for the second time around. I, I thought Frankie Montas threw the ball great in his second. Um, we're now going to see everybody in the rotation. Uh, Jesus Cesardo is now going to start uh, next Tuesday. What are your now expectations of starting pitchers as we're going to see the second and third time around? Yeah, well, you know, we talked about that too over the weekend and against the Rockies about, you know, is it time for the A starting pitchers to start stretching out a little bit and getting deeper into games. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you always want your guys to do that. It is a little strange, you know, this year, well, what's deeper into the game now, right? You, I think if you, if you get a starter who has six innings, you, you know, that's a big deal right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I do think that, that, uh, you know, starting tonight, you're going to see our guys, you know, maybe just settle in a little bit more. They're probably up to 75, 85 pitches. You should be able to get through five, six innings there. Um, and, and, you know, I, I could see that starting to happen because you, you're talking about a pretty, pretty good rotation that the A's have. But you also have to remember, Tony, tonight starts a stretch of 30 games in 31 days. Um, you know, that's a lot of baseball. One day off in the month of August, you know, so you, you – you can't keep throwing your bullpen out there for four or five innings when you have a stretch like what the A's are starting with here in the month of August. So is tonight going to be the first game you call remotely? It is. Yeah. Yep. We are all set up. Uh, and we're all pretty confident, but it's going to be different. I mean, I got a, I have a, a giant monitor right in front of me. It kind of, I'm staring right at it. It's like if, if it wasn't there, I'd be looking at the field at the Coliseum. So call it off that. We have other monitors to help us. We have what we call an all nine monitor, which is a, a lockdown camera that is kind of from high, the high home area. So you see the whole field, you see all the, all the defenders, you see all the base runners, which, you know, you're probably not going to see on the, on a game camera. Um, that'll help us, you know, guys scoring shifts and that type of thing. We'll be able to see that. So that's a camera we'll watch for. Um, so we have some, some different looks that will help us make it feel like we're, we're looking at the field, but it's definitely going to be different. I mean, I've never done this before. Nobody has. And I've talked to some people who have done a few games like this in the last week. And they said, you know, it's very different, but just, you know, don't rush it. Just, just, you know, maybe sit back a little bit more than you would normally. Um, so, but, well, you know, hey, I'll let you know how it goes tomorrow. I'll let that. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I, I can't remember what Olympics it was, but I remember there was a bunch of people that were doing the play-by-play at NBC uh, 
in the Bay Area and also New York, like, because you always, yeah. when you watch the Olympics, you think everybody's there. And like 75% of all the broadcasts of the Olympics is being called here in the United States. And I was like, that's yeah. fascinating to me. But this has been, I guess this has been going on for years. Well, it has. Yeah, you do see in the Olympics some, and, and there are some sports stations that are starting to do it a little bit more. Um, I don't think it's ideal. I mean, I think your announcer still makes a big difference if they're there. I mean, it just really does. Um, but this year is is not normal. So, you know, and, and our hope, you know, Ray and myself and all of our, our you know, the guys down on the TV truck is, is, that, is that the viewers sitting at home watching the game they don't even know that we're not there. You know, it, it, yeah. we're just hoping that it looks the same, acts the same, smells the same. And, you know, they, when it's all said and done, they're just watching a, a, an ace game from the road. So that's our goal. And I, I'm sure we'll pull it off. So, You know, starting out slow is so rough on any of these players. I know we're concentrating on Chris Davis, but, you know, if a player ran into you like in a hallway and said, hey, Kipe, man, I'm really struggling. What, what advice would you give a player who starts out slow in a season that is only 60 games? Oh, man, that's a that's a tough question. I, I don't know. I mean, listen, I, I'm, you know, I would probably give them the hey, hang in there. You know what I mean? I mean, everything's going to be fine. But but they are thinking like that. I don't think there's any question about it. Um, you know, Chris Davis is, is struggling and he is not playing tonight. Uh, the A's will face a couple of left-handers later on in the series, not tonight, but they will uh, tomorrow night with Kikuchi. And then on Monday, just a Sheffield. So they'll face two lefties. I think Chris will be in there for those two lefties. Um, but Hey, Bob Melvin's, you know, he realizes what's going on here. You hate to have to do that, but you know, Chris has not looked great. It looks like he's just, you know, pulling off, chasing out of the strike zone, and that's what he was doing last year. It almost like he got in a funk last year, Tony, and he has not got out of it. Um, so pretty sure there's nothing I could say that would change anything. But, but I think it's important to get him rolling, but it's, it's, it's one of those difficult decisions for the manager. You do want to get him rolling, but, but you only got 56 games left or 54 games left, so – um, Bob handles those things very well, and I'm sure he's very honest with Chris Davis, uh, which good managers usually tell their players you know, exactly how they feel. Yeah, I like to tell people that's above my pay grade, and uh, that's why they Absolutely. pay Bob. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. think about yeah. this. The A's are 3-3, three and three, and I have this stat where the A's are just hitting 207. They've only scored yep. 21 runs. It's like normally yep. I wouldn't even ask you that through the first six games, but now it's like it's July. I mean, it's August tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, and it 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 really does change everybody's mindset a little bit, including players, staff, including fans and and announcers. You just look at things differently, you know. You know, when do you start to worry? You know, what's what's the worry? date how many do you worry after 20 games which is a third of the year you know nobody really knows exactly you know you know when when concern should set in but listen I I, I do think and this is going to sound silly Tony it is just six games you know which is the equivalent to what 15 uh, in a regular season so I, I I don't think there's a whole lot to worry about just yet um, I think when I think when you start to get to to you know maybe 20 25 games you know, then see what's going on. See who's, 
see what other teams are, are, are playing well and see how you're playing. Um, so I don't think there's a whole lot to worry about just yet. So baseball has approved seven inning double headers. So they're talking about potential virus. They're talking about weather problems that could be coming our way. I mean, go back to when you you and I were playing in high school. We played seven inning games. This is going to be interesting. Well, it is. It is. And, and again, completely different. I don't know that. Listen, I don't think Major League Baseball and the Players Union really wanted to do this, but I don't think they have a choice at this point because now, you know, doubleheaders are going to are, are, are going to happen, obviously, you know, because of the pandemic. But, you know, you're going to have weather problems, too. Um, and these doubleheaders are going to need to be played and there's probably going to be a lot of them played. Um, so I, I think they did the right thing. It is strange. Um, again, everything about this year is strange. So I don't really have a problem with it. Um, but but you, you're going to see them. You're going to see probably a lot of them. Uh, but I, I think the players are probably okay with it. Uh, I know they voted for it, but uh, I, th- I think they're good with it. And it, it's not going to be something that's going to be here after this year. But, again, if that's what it takes to, to get these games in, and to get everybody as close as you can to 60 games, then, you know what, I'm all for it. So I was obviously watching you guys, and it was uh, it was pretty historic. It's, it's, it's going to be a trivia question. What happened the first time there was ever a runner on second base to start extra innings? And to think that that runner got nullified right away because of Olsen right. Chapman is pretty crazy. But as a broadcaster – what and I know Ray was talking about it about like how do you even score this? I mean, what was that like for you as a play-by-play guy? Where there's a guy on second and he just he just got put there. Well, yeah, you, you yeah you got to you have to put him there in your scorebook, right? I mean, yeah, I just I I drew I drew him in and just but it's it's very strange. I I did I did like it, meaning you you immediately had had drama and excitement in the top of the inning and in the bottom of the inning. I mean, you immediately had it, which I kind of like that. Um, I don't know if this is going to stick around, but again, this year I'm, I'm fine with it. But, um, you know, it was funny too. The Astros and the Dodgers, they played 13 innings the other night. And I looked at that. Uh, you know, I looked at the, the, the game summary and what was going on in that. And, and nobody bunted. Nobody. So that's 10, 11, 12, 13, four extra innings. Nobody bunted. So uh, the, the bun thing is just not happening, um, which is a little surprising. I think for a home team, if you can hold the visiting team from scoring in the top of the inning, um, that is, from what I've read, that would be the best time to bunt if you're the home team. But then you got to think about who's hitting too. You're not going to, you know, you're gonna you're not gonna bunt Matt Olson or anything like that. So it's interesting. Uh, you, you know, it's kind of crazy, but but you know, all of a sudden you perk up a little bit when it's the when it's the extra innings and and already already the, the the game is on the line right away. So probably not fair to relievers. I don't think relievers are too thrilled about it. But um, hey, we'll enjoy it this year. Please tell me you took money from Dennis Eckersley on the golf course during this pandemic. No, never take money from a Hall of Famer. <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you can't take money from a Hall of Famer 
or your older brother. So that really puts me <laughs> with no shot. <laughs> you know, I was, yeah. I, was, I, was, I was I was watching last night. I was watching your brother, and you can just you can just tell. I mean, he and Kruko have been together for so long. It's just it's like odd for them to be in a different booth. Yeah, and they have cardboard cutouts of each other sitting next to them. So so they they're in separate booths, but they still can't get enough of each other. Right. Which, which is what makes them as great as they are. So, you know, they have, they've been having fun for a long, long time and it's not going to change. So um, I enjoy listening to them. They, they still, after all these years, make me laugh. You know, I've heard every one of my brother's jokes, but I still kind of <laughs> chuckle once in a while. So. <laughs> well, people forget you used to be on the broadcast back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm better off where I'm at now, but we did have a lot of fun together. So, well, the that was a long time line, ago, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. That was, no, no, it was a long time ago was you doing sharks and me drinking beers behind you. Yeah. Thank you. In the afternoon too. <laughs> the good old days. Shark, sharks dropping the puck at one Oh five County with a beer at one ten. Stuff with that. <laughs> oh God. I, I, you know what? I miss those days. Oh man. So do I, so do I, they were fun. All right, buddy. Be well. Be safe with you and the family. We'll be watching tonight. Good. Thanks, Tony. Have a good one, buddy. The great Glenn Kuyper right here. Yes. So back in the day when it was Fox Sports. So he basically did the sidelines for everything. He did sidelines for Warriors, Sharks. He was on the Giants broadcast. And they had this uh, booth that was almost right behind the net at the Shark Tank. And I would go in there. So this is pre 9-11, by the way. So they used to have. So when I was working at KMBR, you know, everybody got a press pass and we didn't have pictures on it. Well, there was no way the half of those guys were ever going to go to a Sharks game. So I would take guys press passes and I'd get all my buddies in. And we would go, we'd go to the game, we go to the bar, you know, got the press pass on it. It says Chris Townsend, but it, it doesn't have a picture, so you could be anybody. So, like, like one of them, like Rod Brooks. I would always take Rod Brooks. I'd take multiple. And Kuiper would be in this booth with the camera on him, and we would go in there because it was, like, right behind the, the, the net. And we'd be sitting there drinking beer. I mean, that's – that shows you how cool Glenn is. He didn't care. We'd be there drinking beers, hanging out, and he's doing his thing. And uh, G. Kipe will always be one of my favorites. But, yes, uh, back in the day, uh, used to take advantage of the old press pass, having fun down at the old little shark tank. You mean my, uh, my next-door neighbor, the shark tank there? Uh, it's funny you mentioned the um, – you. Glenn brought up his brother and Kruko. They actually celebrated, I think it was yesterday, 30 years in the booth together with the Giants. 30. Ah. And to think, they're both players. Like, you had no idea when you put them on the air how good they were going to be. Like, you have no idea. Like, Ray Fo- Like how many years has Fossey been doing? Our man Ray's been, is this 40? Yeah, he, uh, I think he said when he first started doing it in the 80s. late 80s, so he's around 30-plus years now, too. Like, you don't know that, okay, we're going to put Ray Fossey. I mean, and Ray did radio with Lon Simmons and Bill King. They're both Ford C. Frick Award winners. They're Hall of Famers. And you have Ray Fossey in there? I mean, like, you don't you don't know when you put a guy on if he's going to be good or not. And you think about Fossey's career. Of course, Fossey, uh, by the way, I've been to Heritage Park. 
in Cleveland, and I've been to the Ray Fossey plaque. He's one of the great Indians of all time. Uh, and Dwayne Kuyper's plaque is right by him. You forget Fossey and Kuyper, D. Kuyper, not G. Kuyper, D. Kuyper, were teammates with the Indians, along with the Hall of Famer, Dennis Eckersley. It's a small game, my friend. It's a small game. But, yeah, you just don't know when you put these guys on the air. I mean, look at John Miller. John Miller was a broadcaster for the A's. I mean, we grew up, John Miller was the voice of baseball in Sunday Night Baseball and ESPN. Never thought about him as an A. Never thought, and then he would come to the Giants. He was he was Cal Ripken, and he's interviewing President Clinton, and it's the streak, and it was John Miller. It's a small game, man. It's a really, really small game. By the way, we've got great news to report, Cody. And, you know, we recently had Dave Cavill on. And same thing with Dave For- David Forrest earlier today. We cannot tell you what a great job the A's have done protecting everybody. It's been incredible. And everybody feels safe. Everybody feels like they can go to the Coliseum and work. And that's just players, coaches, manager, front office, media, Clay Wood and his staff, everybody in the training staff, everybody everybody feels safe. And that means a lot. Also, it means a lot. Starting tonight, you're going to get 54 games on 960 AM. We are back on terrestrial radio. Uh, Bloomberg 960 AM. All 54 games starting tonight. And what time is game time tonight? 640, right? Yeah, 640 tonight. 545 pregame. So you can still listen to A's cast, and that's athletics.com slash A's cast. And you're now going to be on iHeart. So iHeart is the king of streaming. This is big for us. And so you'll continue to listen to A's cast. We're now going to be on iHeart, and we're going to be on 960 AM. So people that, you know, you struggle trying to figure out with the phone or your, your laptop or your, your, your computer, don't worry, the next 54 games, I can't believe I'm saying that, we just have 54 games left. So if anybody wants to tell you it's early, tell them to stick it. It ain't early. We just got 54 games left. Go to 9.60 a.m. And I know that the professor, the genius that is, the great Matt Pearl, I went to my car in San Jose, and I could hear it. So if I can hear it in San Jose, you can hear it anywhere in the Bay Area. So 9.60 a.m., Cody, is our new home. Bloomberg, 9.60 a.m. You can hear all 54 games remaining starting tonight, first pitch at 6.40. It's exciting. It's very exciting. And I'm when you go to the website now, too, just got athletics.com slash AceCast. There's a player already there. You hit, you click play, and you can start playing AceCast right there on your browser. So very, well, I mean, very I, easy. For, for us, you, me, the heart of AceCast, our big thing is being on iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio is the king of streaming. I mean, we just we, we just stepped up to the, you know, the big league. This is the big leagues. No one does more than they do streaming-wise. There was a program director. So our old boss, did you ever work for Jason Barrett? Uh, Barrett and Crow hired me. Okay. 
So our old boss has started a media company. And then I have this I have this conversation with people all the time because they don't want to believe it because they're dinosaurs. But there's a program director. So he brings on program directors and he has these he has these seminars for radio people. And what is the big sports station in Phoenix? Well, is it 98.7? I have no clue. But is that whatever it is? The program director of the big sports day, they got like the they got the D backs and they got the Cardinals. Yeah, it's 98 7. So he says, I've never forget watching this. He says, you know what? I've got to sell off Nielsen ratings. But the problem is I have way more people during the day streaming our station than I do listening on the radio in their cars. Now I want you to think about that. And it's something I've had to deal with now since I've committed my life to streaming. There are more of you when you're at work or you're at home, you're listening through your phone, your computer, than you are listening on your radio dial on your in your car. And the odds are you don't even have a radio at home. But people don't want to believe they, they don't understand it. But that's the reality. The streaming numbers are far bigger than the radio listeners. And dinosaurs don't want to believe it. I actually had this conversation with my buddy the other day who runs Frontier Ford, who still likes to buy terrestrial radio. And we want you to buy terrestrial radio, and we want you to love 960 AM. But I'll tell you another thing. Well, maybe I shouldn't say. Should I tell you the percentage of people who won't go to certain places? Uh, no, let's just uh, let's focus on the positive. <laughs> athletics.com slash A's cast, but it's great. Uh, congratulations to Dave. I know a lot of people were upset about it and there was nothing. I mean, this is nothing that, you know, Cody and I can control, but it's great to have our games for people who are not going to stream. So it's nine sixty AM and also on FM 103.7 in HD two. If you're able to get that, which by the way, the HD two HD two in your car, that is, do you, do you, you have a new car, Cody? It's clean. Yeah. Yeah. I do have a new car. Well, it's 2018. I guess that's old now, but uh, yeah, it does. It, it sounds a lot. It, I love the way it sounds and I'm very excited for a lot of our fans or all of our fans want to listen on 960 AM. It's, it's a big deal. So 54 games is crazy. That's how many games that we have left. Uh, one more big shout. I want to give a shout out to PG&E's frontline workers because they take the field every day responding to the needs of our East Bay community. We are happy to honor all the five tool players in PG&E who have shined throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, we'd like to honor longtime A's fan Adolfo Barron, who is with PG&E's electric line assistance team. Thank you, Adolfo, for all you're doing on the front lines for our community. That's big. And for all the frontline workers, whatever industry you're in, thank you for what you're doing. And that and 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 that kind of tells you how big baseball is for a lot of people. We're having record ratings all across the sport as people just want something to watch. People are not even baseball fans are watching baseball. I mean, we're basically doing a service to, for people. So once again, you can listen to A's baseball 9:60 a.m. And if you're able to get HD2 FM, that's 103.7.
now part of the A's radio network and KHDK and all the different great radio stations we have. And of course, you can continue to listen to the games, athletics.com slash A's cast. Do you know what I like about A's cast listening to the games, Cody, is the fact that the game is actually a little, it's ahead of the television. I like that. I don't want it to sync up. I know people like, I pause it. I like knowing because I can multitask. There's things that I can do and still watch the game, but I, you know, I'm hearing Ken and Vince, and then I can look up at the screen, and then it happens. I like that. I don't know why. I do the same thing. I listen on Ace Cast, and I what's the and I have, you know, I have Glenn and, and Ray and, and Dallas on TV. I had a friend over last weekend, and he was like, he's like, why, why, why is the radio head? I'm like, uh, that's just how it works, man. Like, sorry, you know, I'm like, you're not even an Ace fan. Why do you care? I'm like, sorry, the Giants aren't playing right now, but. Yeah, it's a big deal, and I'm glad that we can have that that service for our fans to have 960 AM to listen to in the Bay Area. 54 games left, 3-3 three and three against a 3-4 and four Mariners team. Still can't believe I'm saying they're a 3-4 Seattle Mariners team, but, you know, we'd uh, stranger things have happened because the Detroit Tigers, everyone is buying the hype on them right now. So catch the fever if you're looking for a surprise baseball team. Since the Marlins aren't playing, uh, watch Detroit. So that'll be it for uh, A's Cast Live today. Catch Tony next on A's Total Access at 545. And uh, we'll be back on Monday at 3 o'clock for A's Cast Live. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the game tonight, and uh, we'll talk to everyone on Monday. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.